I'm Tom from the Ballpark Bros. Here's Mike. This next presentation on the Four-Eyed Radio Network is brought to you by Revenge Lover. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off on your order. Today on Ranger Command Power Hour. I'll go to Toys R Us every now and then while it's closing and get some good deals and some older stuff. <laughs> okay, but, yeah, while it's closing. How long is this going to take? <laughs> <laughs> I just hope it's always, like, it's just constantly in a state of closing for, like, the next two years. So they just keep getting new product and it's always just 50% off. It's a great business model. <laughs> How cool would it be if they did some official transfer of power at the show like <laughs> i am saban like actually shows up at pmc and you have brian goldner there and they both kind of shake hands maybe the stage explodes something the guy from hasbro holds up the zeo crystal mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or scott comes in with that what was the sword from they had to go to the other planet to get the sword the transfer power sword I don't right know what right the hell exactly that is. Exactly. Scott holds it up in between the two of them, and then there's lightning goes from one to the other. And now on Ranger Command Power Hour. Ay 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 ay! It's the Ranger Command Power Hour. Today on the Power Hour, episode 118, Ranger Merch Review, Boom Studios, Power Ranger Comics, Part Four, Shattered Grid. Recorded on June 6th, 2018. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Sell Ranger up with your hosts. I'm Eric, also known as Trekkie B47. I'm Chris, also known as Long's Toys. And I'm Derek, also known as Dare Bear. Today's podcast is brought to you by Gamefly.com. Sign up for a premium free 30-day one-game-out trial specifically for our listeners at GameflyOffer.com slash ranger command ph hey guys what's up i'm glad that you guys could fill in (laughs) uh (laughs) ap had a schedule conflict and zach's computer is completely fried so (laughs) that's rough but yeah in the past couple weeks uh we really haven't talked uh, about news and there is uh, quite a lot of it the last episode we did was our power rangers survivor uh, season three so we we didn't even do any news in that at all well that was amazing so oh thank you break <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um a ton of news let's just get right into it let's start out with the heavy hitters first uh, saban brands is gonna mm-hmm. shut down july 2nd wah, 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 wah. and july 2nd is my birthday so i oh, feel horrible that's about that's, dude that's, that's hilarious birthday. july 3rd is my birthday <laughs> Oh, man. (laughs) But, yeah, this came out from uh, L.A. Business Journal. And I guess in California, anytime a company does major layoffs, they have to inform the state of California in what's called a worker adjustment retraining notification letter. And this was submitted by Saban Brand's lawyer, Lawrence Stone, who is an attorney at Jackson Lewis. The letter was stated May 1st, which was when they made the huge announcement that Hasbro acquired uh, Saban Brand properties. Occupations listed in the layoffs run the gamut from creative director to financial analyst to director of accounting. Uh, There will be a total of 60 layoffs. And 51 of those happen on July 2nd. It's not known whether Hasbro will rehire any of the employees 
or not, the letter made no mention of rehires. So, yeah. That's yeah. gross. I feel really bad for anyone who loses their jobs. I've been in that position before. It really sucks. I just want to wish anyone at Saban Brands good luck. Hopefully you guys have been given enough time to uh, seek new employment. But I hear about this and, you know, we automatically think of, like, the people who have been most vocal to the fans. And that's, like, Jason Bischoff. That's Melissa Flores. They've been pretty quiet on it, understandably. Obviously, they can't talk about anything like that publicly. But you still have to wonder, are they going to carry over? And that's the thing. Hasbro is based in Rhode Island. So what do you guys think? Hasbro would be smart to take in at least like people like Jason and Melissa, who've been uh, such a big positive influence on it. They would be smart to take them in, you know, if they're willing to, mm-hmm. to make, make that transition, like move, I guess they're, cause they're based in California, right? Is that right? Or Saban is. Yeah. Saban is. And Hasbro yeah. is in Rhode Island. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be a big move, but right. you know, I, Hasbro would be smart to at least make that offer. But I don't know. I mean, this is so like this kind of business stuff is so out of my wheelhouse. So it just Mm -hmm. it sounds like a nightmare for people who have to deal with it. And I just really wish them the best in that kind of situation. Absolutely. That was the first thing I was going to ask was if any of the kind of people we knew about, like Jason or Melissa, if we had heard anything yet. But it doesn't sound like it. But kind of just to piggyback off what Derek said, I mean. I am no kind of you know business analyst or have any kind of business training whatsoever, so I don't know how this stuff works. But I would hope that they would at least some of the people could could keep their jobs because that's yeah. you know you just walk in one day and oh I'm not going to have a job in a month that you know it's a terrible feeling. So <laughs> I don't wish that on anyone. No, ne- neither do I. So uh, again, anyone at Saban Brands that just happens <laughs> to listen to this podcast, we feel for you. We wish you all the best. Because, look, I know a lot of fans might not agree with the direction of the show or, or maybe certain decisions that they made. But, look, over the past seven years, despite what we think, Saban Brands built up the Power Rangers brand enough so Hasbro was like, yeah, we're going to buy this for half a billion dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, Power Rangers is, like, back now, legit. Like, oh, during yeah. the Disney years, like, the show, I mean, like, I think a lot of people probably like the show better during the Disney years than we do now, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, it had no presence like in the mainstream and power Rangers is a thing now that people are aware of whether they watch the show or not. And I think that really says a lot of what Saban did when they brought, bought it back, regardless of like the quality of what that material was. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And the fact that we've had an ongoing comic for over two years now is huge. Yeah. And Sure, Saban Brand stumbled a bit when they went with paper cuts the first time, but look, they course corrected. We've got some of the best, like, comic book, not just Power Rangers, but just story anything. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And it's incredible. I mean, that's why we have a whole show today talking about the Power Rangers comic. Like, it's, it's huge. And so, say what you will about the quality of the show, but the point is... Saban Brands brought Power Rangers enough where one of the largest toy companies in the world was like, oh, yeah, we should we should get that. It is kind of funny, like with Disney, I almost kind of felt like they had it, but they were almost like ashamed with it. And that's why they didn't really build it up. It was kind (laughs) of like 
we have this, but we don't even really know why we have this, and we might kill it, and we don't know. But if you like it, here it is. And then, like, with Saban, I don't know if it's, like, his own hubris or what, but he's like, yeah, I created this thing. It's great. Let's put it on everything. Let's slap it on this. Let's slap it on that. So that's definitely contributed to, like you said, uh, brand awareness, just right. building it up just so that people remember it again. And, of course, latching on to all the MMPR nostalgia that's out there because – you know, people who watched it when we were kids were the target demographic then. They're now old enough. They have their own kids. They're showing it to their kids. They have money to spend on this stuff. So yeah. I don't know yeah. if it was part timing, part, you know, his his buildup of it. But like you said, it definitely escalated in the past seven years for sure. Oh, yeah. So speaking of that hype train that keeps on going, uh, our next I- news item, Hasbro talks about Power Rangers movie potential. <laughs> so this was during their May 31st. So last week at their Hasbro strategic decisions conference. And if you're an investor or whoever, I mean, all of these conferences that they have for investors are open to the public. So you can actually get in on the live stream of them doing this. So anyone can get in on this. And it just so happens that they mentioned Power Rangers in this latest strategic meeting. So Brian Goldner, he is the CEO of Hasbro. Um, This is a name that everyone needs to be familiar with. He was the one that used to work for Bandai when Power Rangers first came out. So I guess him and Haim Saban have known each other for a very long time. Brian was involved in Bandai for the first, I guess, Zordon era of Power Rangers. So he's not a stranger to it, but now he's like the CEO of the largest freaking toy company. (laughs) So he mentioned, we've now announced the acquisition of Power Rangers This is a really great statement about where we believe we are in developing our brand blueprint. Uh, The fact that we can acquire the Power Rangers brand and plug and play that right into our strategy where we activate it in entertainment, motion pictures in the future, and then, of course, across toys and games, do it globally. We felt the brand was very under-leveraged and undervalued. We feel we can exploit it to a much greater extent, and it, it was a great opportunity to acquire the brand. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> yeah, right? So let's unpack it. Well, I was going to say, first of all, I should be considered an investor at this point, the amount I spend on Hasbro products. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... AP, Zach, and I talked about this on on a previous show when we kind of unpacked that initial statement back in May. And we talked about this brand blueprint that they have for all of their brands. And this statement where they can plug and play right into that strategy. So automatically, they're thinking about the TV show still. But motion pictures, not motion picture, motion pictures, they want to turn this into a tentpole franchise. I think. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and that's smart. I think it, it totally makes sense. I don't think there's any way that we're not going to have a movie happen, even if it's not totally confirmed now. I think it, it basically is inevitable at this point, now that mm-hmm. they made the statement. I'm extremely cautiously optimistic about it, only because I think that the movie itself will get made, and they will happen, which is cool in and of itself, but 
Hasbro's track record for their movies, like quality wise, I'm not a little as excited about, like given that it's their movies have been like Transformers and G.I. Joe and Gem and the Holograms, which are not like great movies that could change. (laughs) And I know the Bumblebee trailer just came out and everybody's pumped about that. So it could be like on the upswing and Power Rangers could be like a good thing, especially if they do decide to keep with the, the first movie's continuity, which I know is up in the air. So I'm very cautiously optimistic about it. Yeah, me too. And I know, uh, you know, a lot of fans, myself included, loved this 2017 reboot. The cast chemistry, the potential that they teased for the Green Ranger. I would love to see them continue that. But to me, it's like, you know, Hasbro is more in a partnership with Paramount instead of Lionsgate. Lionsgate's got their hands on this. And it feels like history repeats itself in a way where, you know, the first Power Rangers movie was through Fox. And Fox has kept pumping out those DVDs. And they can't use the logo, so that's like super generic. <laughs> but yeah. that's the thing, they've like held on to it because they know yeah. it's it's a cash cow that they can keep going back to. Sure. I wouldn't blame Hasbro for doing a reboot. Mm-hmm. Um but at the same time, if anybody has the money to do whatever they can to buy it back from Lionsgate or do a partnership with them or something, they probably do. So yeah. I think it's still maybe I don't, I don't want maybe not fifty fifty, but like 6040 <laughs> that they'll do it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm with you, Derek. I want to be optimistic that that might be a possibility because I just thought the cast chemistry was so great that this second movie, if if they did a sequel to 2017, I mean, that could blow us all out of the water. I mean, Absolutely. they could go straight to the action. They could develop Tommy's character. It's, you know, less of that origin story. And we've seen this in so many franchises where the second movie, once they get the origin story out of the way, the second movie is like freaking amazing because yeah. they can do anything. Yeah, I mean, Batman Begins was a just a very modest kind of... I mean, it was it was a success, but it wasn't like a cultural thing. And then its sequel, Dark Knight, like blew up the world. So, I mean, it's yeah, yeah, it's definitely there's definitely precedent for it. No matter what you think about those Transformer movies, they make a lot of money mm-hmm. for Hasbro and Paramount, especially overseas, which is a big market for them. Right. And I think, unfortunately, because the one thing the Power Rangers movie did not do was crush it overseas. So, I mm-hmm. think that might be a really big hindrance to the possibility of them continuing that. Right. So they might, I mean, the fact that the plus they want to come in and kind of make it their own, they own it now. They don't have to listen to anyone. I don't know what kind of rules Toei is going to throw at them. You know, we'll figure that out. Uh, Toei will have some kind of involvement, I assume, going forward. But Or what if they don't? That's another thing. I feel like we can't assume anything at this point. Well, I was yeah. going to say, I would think if if Hasbro would design their own team, their own costumes, their own Zords and call it Power Rangers... Then they would have nothing that they have to right. owe to Toei because it would be there. Kind of like if they decide to do something with Hyperforce. If they took the Hyperforce toys or designs and wanted to make a movie or, or a cartoon or something with that, they wouldn't really have to answer to anyone. So I really don't know. Like I said, I yeah. I think there's incentive there to want to start fresh um, because the overseas markets are such a big deal to them, especially for like the Transformer movies. That was huge for them. But I think it's a no-brainer for them to want to make movies for Power Rangers because, like you said, they've made a lot of money with the Transformers. They're already toying with this idea of their universe. 
you know, they're making a mask movie, they're not making a mask movie, then they're back making a mask movie. <laughs> oh my god! Can someone please stop that roller coaster for me? Because I was a huge fan of Mask as a kid, and nothing would be more awesome than going with my dad, like, 30 years later after we collected the toys, to see a freaking mask movie. That would be amazing, but, I mean, yeah. carry on. But I was just saying, absolutely, like, every time I'm like, I think it's dead. And then they're like, oh, we got a director. And I'm like, I thought that was dead. Are you all right? Go for it. I I want it to keep going. So go for it. Then they're talking about like Micronauts and ROM, the Space Knights. I don't know. They're doing something over there. But I think it makes perfect sense. It's another strong brand that I don't necessarily know if they'll do shared universe or have them cross over or not. But, you know, it could become Transformers, Power Rangers, G.I. Joe becomes their three like cinematic powerhouses. Mm hmm. Yeah, and now this this other statement about the whole brand being under-leveraged and undervalued and exploiting it to a much greater extent. And something came across on, on my Twitter feed. You know, someone was like, oh, well, exploit, that sounds pretty negative. And I was like, well, I mean, from a business sense, like, th- they want to get the most out of it. Uh, yeah. Exploit in, in that sense is not a bad thing. No, yeah. especially when you pay half a billion dollars for it. You want to see a <laughs> return on that investment. Yeah. I feel like some people just aren't getting, like, how much Hasbro invested in this. Half a yeah. billion dollars. Like, that's a crap ton of money for <laughs> for a, a children's toy brand. Yeah. Or entertainment brand. But still. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's probably the best possible news that you could have gotten from an acquisition like this because they clearly are very very interested in treating it like the way that it in our opinion at least has deserved to have been treated for a long time and hasn't been um you know disney didn't really care about it and saban has probably just never had the money and assets to really put into it what it's deserved so i feel like we're going to be seeing things that we've been wanting to see for a long time finally come to fruition now Mm mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. And they're not going to spend half a billion dollars on this property, do something with it for three years, and then go, okay, well, we're just going to put it on the shelf now. Right. Like, that's yeah. that's not going to happen. Hasbro is now ensuring that we get a 30th anniversary of Power Rangers. I would think yeah. so. Absolutely. We were all contemplating how they would announce at this year's PMC that, okay, well, the line's dead. <laughs> the show's over. Hope you enjoyed the past 25 years. But yeah, like you said, I think this does nothing but ensure quite the opposite. Yeah, I mean, for a while there, we were like, oh man, is is things going to fizzle out after the movie bombed? We were all worried for the 25th. And now, I mean, I'm not saying this has been the greatest 25th anniversary in terms <laughs> of the transition or toys or, or anything or <laughs> Toys R Us. Like, it's it's just been a weird amalgamation and and maelstrom of just weird things happening on the Power Rangers 25th yeah. anniversary. <laughs> it's, it's almost like, like as bad as it is to say this, like the bad things that have happened, especially like the movie tanking and then everything with Toys R Us, like it probably is the best thing that could have happened to Power Rangers at this point. At this point, because I feel like that kind of stuff is what opened the door for Saban to be willing to sell it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And the fact that we have Hasbro is just amazing. And, I mean, I like the Transformers movie. Uh, uh, Some of them are okay. Others are 
pure garbage. <laughs> what a glowing recommendation. Some of them are okay. They're going to put them at the back of the box. <laughs> Look, it's accurate. When the first Transformers movie came out, I absolutely freaking loved it. Oh, me too. I saw that thing. I saw it like three times in theaters. Same here. I saw it multiple times in the theaters. I ran down that DVD. It was just amazing. <laughs> and this Bumblebee trailer gives me that same feeling. I'm like, oh man, you know, they're referencing the 80s. There's freaking Starscream. I was just so enthralled by that trailer. And it just seems like a really good story. Trailers are they can totally show you one thing and be completely different. But the feeling I got from the trailer was like, oh man, I'm actually excited for this movie, which I haven't felt since the first Transformers movie. Well, I really think with the first one, it had such a, not 100% invoking the original subject material, but it had little references. Like right. in the very beginning of the movie when I think Blackout, the helicopter, when he first, you hear that... Like that yep. first time they threw that in as a little yep. fun yeah. nod. And then when he's picking up the car at the lot, they have that VW bug sitting there. Mm-hmm. Like the fun little references. And with this new trailer, it's kind of the same thing. You feel like it's invoking the source material again, where two through five just kind of went hard left and didn't really come <laughs> back and worry about it. It's like, well, we have Peter Cullen still. That's what you care about, right? And it's like, well, we like that, but everything else doesn't feel like Transformers at all. Like Optimus Prime is like, I'm going to murder everyone. And I'm like, I don't think you know the character at all. Like this is like a second father to most of us and you're not quite capturing it anymore. So I think like that's why they kind of just need to reboot it. They need to bring it back. You know, it right, got a little bit right. too off the chain. Bring it back in. And I feel like this, this Bumblebee movie might be doing that which is why i think it's really hitting home for a lot more of the fans but not yeah. to get a whole transformer podcast transformer <laughs> command power hour <laughs> teletran one command power hour <laughs> transform on command power <laughs> i'm here for it so it was news because a lot of people are like you know maybe it's not news because you know it's just a possibility like of course they're gonna do motion pictures yeah but the news is they're confirming it they're saying hey we believe enough in this property where we have a long-term strategy for it which that's the refreshing news that we want to hear it's like Mm -hmm. asbro hasn't even let the ink dry on the contract and they're like all right we've got a long-term strategy that's awesome. Yeah, it's, yeah, it seems like a no-brainer, but it's nice to know it's on their mind. It, you know right. what I mean? It's fresh in their thinking, and that's where they want to move to. Yeah. So, moving on, this was announced this week. Holy crap. Power Rangers <laughs> Soul of the Dragon announced. Which sounds like a Bruce Lee movie, just saying. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I want to see like an alternate cover of Tommy in the black pants with the little shoes being like, whoa, the haircut. I want to see it. I hope that doesn't seem racist. I didn't mean it to be. No, no, no. Um, (laughs) Or just think Bruce Lee is a Power Ranger. That would have been epic. I like to see your brain went in a better place. That's good. Yeah. So this is going to be an exclusive graphic novel, which will focus on an unexplored time in Tommy Oliver's history. 
After his time as the Black Ranger in Dino Thunder, Tommy has moved on from being a ranger, letting the SPD Rangers defend the world. Unfortunately, his son goes missing, and he'll have to discover some things about his past and join up with some surprising teammates to find him and bring him home safely. And the official description says... It's been a long time since Tommy Oliver has served as a Power Ranger. He's defeated space witches, brought down evil armies, protected the galaxy, but now Tommy leaves protecting the world to the Power Rangers at Space Patrol Delta. But when his son goes missing, it's up to Tommy to discover a secret in his past in order to save his future. Now Tommy will call on all of his training, his friends, and maybe even some of his enemies as he sets out on the most important mission, find his son and bring him home. It is going to be run by Kyle Higgins and drawn by Justice League vs. Suicide Squad's Giuseppe Caffaro. And Jason David Frank is on board as a special consultant. Holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) Correct reaction. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds really fun. Yeah, I'm totally on board. I am absolutely 100% on board with this. The first thing people went to was like old man Logan. Yeah, which is true, but (laughs) it's it's a a good story structure. Like it's it's a proven story structure. It'll be cool. Oh my god, that cover, acknowledging all of his past ranger forms, was epic. And it's so silhouetted good. by the Dragon's Ward? Come on! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, it's funny you say Old Man Logan, because the first thing I kind of thought of was, like, Old Ben Kenobi in Episode Four, like, mm. if Luke went missing. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, it works. He's been it's out of the a... game for a while, but he's still got some tricks, you know what I mean? You don't know what he's going to be up to. It's a great like trope of the you know the retired right. cop or retired whatever like kind of going back I'm in. I'm too old for this. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it's such a uncharted territory for Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. That's that's really exciting. There are genuine complaints. Like I get it. People are sick of Mighty Morphin. They're sure. sick of Tommy. They're sick of JDF. Yada yada. Yeah. But comparing with the old man Logan analogy. Tommy is Power Rangers Wolverine. It's true. Yeah. yeah. For better or worse, he totally is. Yeah. And here's, here's my thing too with it is because I totally, I get the complaints and I'm, I've always, I've definitely had like my periods of being outspoken about not liking Tommy or JDF or whatever. Right. But the thing is, first of all, like the boom comics have written him very well. Like I mm-hmm. feel like my issue with him has always been that he was always a very underwritten character. He really didn't have, much of an actual character it was always just stuff that happened to him that was what we remembered right and you know for being someone who was so long lasting there really there really wasn't that much interesting about him but the comics have made him very interesting they've given him a lot of of really cool conflict internal conflicts and they've sort of explored you know these really really cool aspects of like what would it be like to have been the bad guy who turned good and things like that so i i have a lot of faith in kyle higgins for one um but then also it's just like there's no other character they could have done this with who is not just a veteran ranger but who's like a veteran ranger who has seen so many different eras of yeah of the franchise and that's what's the, the most important thing um there's a quote here by kyle higgins from this interview and and the reveal was from uh comicbook.com uh, but kyle higgins said quote it's rare that we're able to tell stories about pop culture heroes at this critical juncture in their lives there's 
Few who've been as big a pop culture phenomenon as Tommy Oliver. As a fan of the original Six Ranger, it's an incredible honor for me to explore this untold chapter of Tommy Oliver Power Ranger. And it's true. We got a glimpse of that in Zeo in A Season to Remember, where, you know, he's got future Cat, and they have not only a son, but a grandson. And now this is connecting all the story points that is amazing. The fact that they've got SPD and they're yeah. at least acknowledging that in the future, SPD becomes the default Ranger team to protect earth on a it's galactic really scale. And there's some nice bits of synergy there from the fact that SPD was the follow-up season to Tommy's last season in Dino Thunder. Exactly. And sort of had that crossover, but then JDF wasn't there, so it was barely there. So it's just like, it, there's just a lot of really neat like little details with how it's been kind of drawn together. Yeah, and how cool would it be if, you know, they tie this into what we did see in SPD's past on the show, yeah. Sky's dad. That's a big hanging thing. What if Sky's dad and Tommy's son were on the same team? Ooh, I like that. I mean, there's just so many possibilities. And Kyle Higgins is a big fan of SPD. I mean, it really shows in Shattered Grid, which we'll get to. But as soon as I saw SPD mentioned a couple times in these descriptions, I'm like, I, I'm already sold. <laughs> because it's, it's not just going to be Tommy. It, it's said that there's going to be other enemies that he teams up with. Friends. So we're not just going to see, it's not just going to be Tommy. And I really hope people understand that he's just the driver for this story. Just like he's been for the comic for Shattered Grid, parts of his character. Yes, it's all stems from Tommy and what's going on around Tommy. But all of these other characters have been fully developed. Mm-hmm and they have motivations of their own. It's it's not Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the Tommy comic. It's the whole team. And you have a whole comic book series with Go-Go that doesn't even have Tommy in it. Yep. So th- that's why, like, for this graphic novel, it's awesome because we're seeing parts being connected in the Ranger universe that we've only talked about, like, in our headcanon space. Yeah. Absolutely. We kind of all these things that we've sort of read between the lines for a long time with the timeline, they're actually making canon, which is really neat. Yeah. It's really smart how they've sort of used MMPR as, as this kind of springboard because you have people who are casual fans or people who just like vaguely remember the show from the 90s or whatever, um, who will pick up the comic and like, oh, I recognize that character. They'll do that for this and they've done it for, you know, the, the, co- the Shattered Grid and the comics that are out now, but then use that as almost a gateway to the entire wider world of Power Rangers. Like, they, Boom couldn't have just done like a Time Force comic or whatever. Right. Right. They had to ha- start with MMPR and the way that they've done that is has been really really brilliant honestly it has and we'll get more into that like when we start reviewing these issues but this announcement is is huge and it will release i think in december that's that's when it's coming out the artwork it's so awesome that it looks like how jdf looks now because i mean (laughs) it, it, it seems like that's what they were going for You've got an older Tommy that's in the future. He's in his 40s, or maybe this comic he's in his 50s. We don't know. I think he looks more a little bit older than JDF looks now, a bit Mm -hmm. rougher around the edges. 
but it's awesome because that means he has a son that's a ranger and who's going out there and it's cool like i i just i love that drawing because i think the artist captured jdf's how he looks perfectly and just aged him up i think it's super cool we did have a couple listeners especially on facebook uh, and these are these are valid opinions I, I know people are sick of the comment but uh megan uh, she said, I'm tired of everything being about Tommy. It's what made me completely stop reading the comics and blacklist everything related to them across social media. Enough. Give other characters their chance to shine. Contrary to what you think, JDF, it's not all about you. And then we had Kate uh, Smother said, because of course we need more Tommy in our lives. And it was like with a couple like eye roll emojis. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> I totally get it. Yeah. I understand a lot of people have... Mighty Morphin burnout. Maybe they have, you know, Tommy Oliver burnout or JDF burnout. But to me, I just think that a Power Rangers comic wouldn't be successful if you just did like Jungle Fury, the comic. Like, right. who the hell cares? Yeah, you have to kind of use that that gateway drug, for <laughs> lack <laughs> like, yeah. of a better term. Yeah, that's been the brilliant thing about like these annuals and Shattered Grid. It's because. Okay, for two years, yes, they've done the My Morphin comment, but now they're they're slowly opening it up for people to discover the wider Power Rangers universe out there. And the fact that the SPD Rangers showed up in the annual and you've got Doggy Kruger. I mean, I'm in heaven here. But it, <laughs> it took two years for us to get to that point. And... I've been along for that ride because the story's been engaging. Like, yeah, I'm burnt out on Mighty Morphin merchandise, but the comics are approaching a story in a whole new way. And I feel like the comics are, for me, way more entertaining and fulfilling than the show proper. Right At now. this point, yeah, I agree. Yeah. You're talking about the current show or the MMPR show? Both. no for real i mean the characters even the mighty morphin team even though we got three years of them they're kind of one-dimensional yeah character wise i mean yeah you can watch all of it and uh, you know zach scared of spiders and and that kind of stuff but (laughs) i mean this is this is digging like into their families and how this affects their lives yeah i think one of the things that i think really stuck has stuck out to me like in comparison, I remember reading some behind the scenes stuff with the, MM, the original MMPR movie where like the writer was struggling because he was given a mandate from Saban or whoever that like, well, your, your main characters, the Rangers, they can't have any conflict with each other. The only conflict can just be with the bad guy. He's like, well, how do I do that? Like that makes, that makes them boring, which is kind of true. Like yeah. as much as I love that original movie, there's no internal conflict with any of the characters. The com- this comic really does that better than a lot of seasons even the really good seasons of power rangers it does that better than a lot of them yeah i mean you've got billy with all of his self-doubt arc that's been going on Mm -hmm. especially in gogo his gogo arc is incredible from someone who wanted to quit the team to hey now i'm training and i'm getting stronger and better yeah exactly that's really cool so, I mean, we're, we're gushing about the, the comic, <laughs> and, and that, I mean, we're doing this whole episode about it, uh, but I want to get on to the next news, and hey, speaking of Tommy, uh, <laughs> <laughs> announced today, 
Tamashi Nations is uh, bringing back the White Ranger from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers in figure arts form, but this time it's with a Tommy Oliver head that's switchable. At San Diego Comic-Con this year, it's been announced that we're going to have figure arts of Helmetless, MMPR Green, and Red Rangers, Jason and Tommy. Uh, this has been confirmed by Bluefin Brands uh, Tomashi webpage. They will be exclusives that will be available at the Bluefin Brands booth. So there's the Green Ranger figure art that they're basically re-releasing with Tommy likeness and, and very good likenesses, I think, of the actors. But those are exclusive. This White Ranger is going to be a wide retail release. It will be 65 bucks and released in November. Cool. <laughs> Check your Barnes and Noble. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm not going to be collecting these, I don't think, because we don't have any confirmation if they're going to do the rest of the team like this. Plus, I've already bought all these figures. Like, I don't need to pay $65 to justify, like, a small plastic head likeness as cool yeah. as that would be for me at this point in my life i'm like i can't i can't spend like that yeah i mean i'm perfectly happy with the legacy figures we got for mmpr not to mention hasbro will probably redo those as right. part of their marvel legends-esque legacy figures when they finally get rolling those out and who knows because marvel legends They've done a very good job of having these swappable heads for mass oh, yeah. characters. And the likenesses. Have you seen the Paul Rudd one for Ant-Man? Holy crap. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wanted to get that Ant-Man figure just so I could say, yeah, I've got Paul Rudd's face on an action figure. Like, yeah. that likeness <laughs> was that good. So when you use your figures to reenact Clueless, you're like, hey, now I have Paul Rudd. I'm ready to go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or I can make Paul Rudd a Power Ranger. That's that's the thing. <laughs> oh, now you're talking. <laughs> Moving on, Power Rangers Beast Morphers on display at the Licensing Expo 2018. We got the red, blue, and yellow Beast Morpher suits along with uh, some line art for the series. You can check all of those pictures out at Power Rangers now. We'll have links to all of our news stories in our show notes. And they also had artwork for various characters, and they confirm that there will be Beast Bots, who are the Buddy Roids in Go Busters. There'll be Red Jaguar, Blue Gorilla, Yellow Rabbit. I thought the suits looked really good. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very excited for this. Jason Bischoff uh, on Twitter, I know he mentioned to someone because someone was like, oh, are these like the the original suits or whatever? And he was like, nope, these were totally newly made. So, Oh, cool. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. so that's why they look so good. I'm cautiously optimistic about Beast Morphers. Sure. <laughs> I think, I think it'll be interesting because, like you said, it would make sense the suits are freshly made because at this point that series is – fairly six old it's at least old? five years old yeah. maybe six so i'm sure you know in the rubber monster suits might be breaking down by now so i'll be interested to see how that goes the other thing i'm going to be really interested is to see how they handle uh beat buster because beat buster is a buddy roid that can that can change can morph right so i'll be interested to see if they keep that or if they'll just cast another human so mm. i'll be interested to see what they do there yeah. In yellow, they spec it's they call it Jackrabbit, right? Not just rabbit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So. J- Jackrabbit, right? 
<laughs> That's the Butch- Zord. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to butcher it up a little. <laughs> <laughs> so I just ran as a jackrabbit. Yeah. Most bad of all the rabbits. <laughs> Everything looked cool at the licensing expo. I love the helmet display that they had. I love the props that they had that were on display. Super cool stuff from the pictures I saw. But... Yeah, it's kind of like that awkward, like, we still have the property for, like, another month, and (laughs) (laughs) here you go. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, they they did a, like, quote-unquote trailer, but that was just Sentai footage, because they haven't filmed anything yet. Yeah, it's pretty much what it always is. (laughs) And and I know people are going nuts for it. I'm like, we've gone through this song and dance so many times before as a fandom. We know how this works by now. Come on, guys. If you want, there's a 50-episode trailer you can go watch if you download it <laughs> So about, like, the suits newly being made, I think it comes from our next story, because Anarchy Cosplay announces a licensing agreement with Saban Brands. And we'll link to their official Instagram post but this was something that Chris over at Toku Nation actually found out during the whole Toy Fair deal. It just took, I guess, Anarchy, it just took him a while to announce it. And if you read through some of those comments, like early on before this official announcement, they were even commenting at people, we're official now and we're licensed. And people are like, wait, what? So, I don't know why it took so long for this official announcement to get out there, but it's out there. So, Anarchy Cosplay has signed a licensing agreement with Saban Brands, which I think at this point will be transferred to Hasbro, maybe? I have no idea. Uh, But with this agreement, all of the Power Rangers cosplay, such as helmets and costumes, are now officially licensed. We are committed to raise our service and our qualities, Uh, Now that we have this agreement, we're expanding production capabilities and staff in order to serve you better. As you already know, all of our products are handmade 100% and made to order only. So stay tuned for future updates. And they thanked all the cosplayers, collectors, and ranger actors and actresses who supported their work through the years. I think this is exciting for them. Personally, I've never ordered a helmet directly from them. But I do have one of their helmets that was given to me as a gift. I do have a Shadow Ranger helmet made by them. It in no way, shape, or form fits my head at all. But it looks really cool. <laughs> I think with this official license thing, if, if those Beast Morpher suits were indeed newly made, I think Anarchy had something to do with that. Yeah, very possible. I wonder if Toei gets a piece of this, too, because technically the designs come from them. So Yeah, I have no idea with that. But I, I think the licensing, it they cannot sell to any Asian country, because I think that's part of the thing with Toei. That makes sense. Any of you guys have any Anarchy helmets? or nah. No. Okay. Not really my thing. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> Moving on to more products... Uh, Power Rangers Super Ninja Steel Epic Figure Pack has been released in Canada. Uh, This comes from Maddie Morphin Power Ranger on Instagram. The exclusive in this set, now this is a Toys R Us exclusive set. 
Toys R Us is not doing any new products in the U.S., so this is found in Canada, and it's probably only going to be in Canada. And it sucks because the exclusive to this set is Mix Red Ranger form from the, the season finale. And I'm like, damn it. As a collector, I'm like, oh, I'm angry about that. I'm like, I want a Mick Red Ranger figure. Well, I would imagine this thing's going to be all over PMC. Someone from Canada is going to come down with a truckload of these things and make a bundle. And if anyone from Canada is listening, at Kelson, he needs one. I saw him the other day asking where he can get one, so someone hook him up. Please, someone present one to him at PMC. Oh, that's right. He'll be there. He will be there, which leads into our next announcement <laughs> i love these transitions look at that smooth transition the power morphicon may guest announcements we got walter jones zach taylor from mmpr steve cardenas rocky DeSantos from mmpr elizabeth fees who did stunts for mighty Morphin power rangers neil kaplan the voice of diabolical from lightspeed rescue kevin kleinberg trip from time force Deborah Phillips, Katie Walker from Time Force, Philip Andrew, who played Merrick in Wild Force, Anna Hutchinson, Lily Chillman from Jungle Theory. We got Ari Boyland, who played Finn from RPM, Lee Ming Hugh, who was Gemma from Power Rangers RPM. We've got the Boom Twins reunited yeah. at PMC. <laughs> this is her first convention. She's never done a convention for Rangers before. We got Davi Santos, Ivan from Dino Charge, and bah, 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 Kelson! Wah, 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 wah. Kelson Henderson, who's <laughs> Mick Ninja Steel, but he's been Boom, Norg, Phineas, Flip, various monsters. This guy is like a Disney season legend. And he's the best part of Ninja Steel, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Hands down. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we also got uh, Ryan Parrott, uh, writer for Boom Studios Saban's Go Go Power Rangers. And he's joining Kyle Higgins for all this awesome convention stuff. That's going to be a fun table to go visit. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a ton of guests. And I know that Power Morphicon always kills it with guests, so... I hope I can go. <laughs> oh, you're going. We'll, we got to find some way to get you there. Yeah. But yeah, really exciting. Don't miss it. It's in Anaheim, California this year. Go to officialpowermorphicon.com. Uh, get your tickets. Find out all about this cool convention. Also, real quick, fun fact, Neil Kaplan also voiced Optimus Prime in the 2001 Transformers Robots in Disguise series, as well as Hawkmon in Digimon. Ooh. Oh. Nice. Wow. So, yeah, Neil Kaplan, awesome voice actor. He's got a lot of credits to his name. So, yeah, even if you're a fan of voiceovers, there's there's something for everyone at Power Morphicon, I think. <laughs> Another convention, San Diego Comic-Con's coming up. There's no, like, I don't think any real Ranger stuff going on announced yet. But we mentioned before the Helmetless Mighty Morphin figures but another exclusive that will be at the show from Bluefin Brands, it's the Solichogokan Black Megazord. This is a black repaint of the SOC GX76 Megazord Daijujin, but it comes with teal accents, 
So I think this would look really awesome combined with their upcoming Dragon Zord that's coming out. And it's going to be ridiculously expensive. It's going to be like over 300 bucks. <laughs> it looks really nice, though. <laughs> it really does. It looks awesome. I do have a Solar Chigokin Megazord, like the regular edition, and it's pretty awesome. But this black repaint, if I got it, cool. If not, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but a, a really fun variant that's uh, exclusive it's from bait. I think they're like some kind of exclusive shop or something, but limited to 5,000 pieces. They're doing an alpha five black and gold pop variant, which suspiciously can double as alpha 55 from Hyperforce. Oh, wow. <laughs> Cause it's that same coloring. I think it looks really cool. I've got to find some way of getting my hands on this. Because I've got the black and gold, um, the one that they did for Loot Crate. And it's not really in a pop style, but still that cartoony type of style. But, I mean, this is a pop variant. And I'm trying to collect all these pops. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Yeah. And then, also announced or found out at the licensing show, Power Rangers partners with Burger King. It will feature toys from the core five Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, red, blue, black, yellow, and pink. The toys are expected to be part of Burger King's kids' meal line, so you can get it with a kids' meal, or they're sold separately. I saw some people are like, oh man, I'm going to have to buy 20 kids' meals. It's like, no, you just go up to them and you can buy them separately. (laughs) You don't have to go into diabetic shock or a food coma to... uh, (laughs) to get these toys that's how i collected the the uh movie ones from mcdonald's back in the day oh like, yeah i was able to get all of them oh nice those were great yeah because so they had the ones that actually came in the happy meals which was like the little communicator and the little morpher and then they had oh, the yeah. actual like non-transforming zords with the action figure sets that you could buy separately that's the ones that I got. Yeah, I got all the action figures for it, and I played oh. with those because my parents never like to spend money on toys. So it was like a great alternative to actually get like all my Power Ranger action figures. <laughs> yeah, they were fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love those. I, I think I still have a set somewhere yeah, I here. I, I still have mine, I think, too. But yeah, Burger King. Yay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then our final news item new f- legacy figures have been released uh this comes from mmpr collector kane on instagram the red and blue psycho rangers have been released in australia and they come with all their their signature weapon there is no build a figure alpha five and also the dino thunder white ranger has been found also in australia so there have been no u.s sightings yet they are in the new 25th anniversary packaging like that silver packaging so they did change up the packaging for the legacy figures for this round that's weird but whatever (laughs) which is potentially the last round that we'll ever see right one i think the psycho rangers have way more paint than i expected so that's nice Mm -hmm. um but i think the fact that they don't have the alpha five was for two reasons one so they could have that extra paint and two because i don't think the psycho girls are ever going to happen i think the next wave will be is it psycho black the other one that doesn't exist yet and then in space silver and maybe kira from dino thunder 
just to finish that because she's been kind of MIA for this right. last little bit. And I think that'll probably be the, that'll be all she wrote. And the pink and yellow Zio figures are a GameStop exclusive here in the U.S. So I I have them on pre-order. I got to go back to my store and (laughs) make sure that they still have my pre-order for that Mm. and and, and pay it off. But, yeah, we're just kind of uh, winding down here with uh, Bandai America. Well, that was a lot of news. Yeah, that was an hour of news. (laughs) So all the news you ever wanted, we, we got it. Um, but now we are going to review Power Rangers Shattered Grid. And our last time that we did this, we kind of did the lead up to Shattered Grid, our little prelude episode. But now we're hitting full stride. We are in the thick of Shattered Grid at this point. And it really kicked off with Gogo Power Rangers issue eight. I don't think we talked about it in the last one, but really all you need to know from that is that this was the result of the prom. And at the end, we got the tease of the Ranger Slayer. That was like kind of our first big reveal into Shattered Grid, which was pretty cool. Do you want to talk about her design now or save it for later? Let's talk about it now. I am a total fan of this design. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely me too i love that the sword of darkness uh, style bow like the mm-hmm. bow of darkness as they call it yeah it's so creative yeah it's perfect it's absolutely fantastic i love that she has a cape we don't get a lot of rangers with capes <laughs> <laughs> yeah not enough yeah and i just like that it's like her whole suit is battle worn the right. cape's torn it's not perfect and I love the helmet, just the extensions of the pterodactyl design are really great. And I just like how everything that was white is black now. Hmm. (laughs) You literally just hit every single point I was going to mention. (laughs) That's exactly everything that I love about it. The color scheme is perfect. That pink and black are just so sharp together. And I love, like you said, the way the pterodactyl kind of the wings go back on the helmet and the bow is phenomenal. Everything you said is it's all perfect. And another thing I, I noticed about the design is I almost got a feeling of a callback to the Mighty Morphin Pink miniseries. I was going to say that too. Yeah, it really that really feels deliberate. It really does because like how her left arm is segmented with that white and pink, it is a real callback to that design from the Pink miniseries. Yeah, that and also, the, I mean, the fact that on the individual like color covers for the Shattered Grid issues, they've thrown in the pink variants of the Rangers. Right. I think that it's they obviously haven't forgotten it, and I think it's really cool that they're kind of still incorporating that into the into the canon of the comics. Yeah, exactly. And another thing about that that arm thing, now that I'm noticing it, it's only on her left arm. Which would make sense that there was extra armor there because that's the arm that she shoots her bow from. Oh, yeah, that's smart. Right. Yeah, That's her drawstring arm. So, of course, you would want that armored as an archer so your shot isn't disrupted or whatever. Like, I think that's a really smart design choice. Yeah, good observation. Yeah, it's like I, was, I always think of, like, Link from Legend of Zelda. He has the same yes. thing where he has the guard on his one arm for that same reason exactly yeah so it was only 
At the end of issue eight, we got a full body shot with Finster 5 in the background. And that was actually our first intro to Finster 5 in the comic as well, was through this issue. So it really kind of set the dramatic, like, bum, bum, bum tone. And um, (laughs) I, I really dug it. But we're here for the main event, which was issue 25 of MMPR. And, oh, my God. There's a lot here. <laughs> so let's talk about the Time Force intro. What did you guys think of that? I thought it was really fun. I mean, they didn't stick around for very long, but I thought it was awesome to kind of set the tone where Time Force comes in because obviously they're in charge of the whole timeline, time police kind of thing. And it just shows you right away that, like, you know, Draken's going to be messing with everyone. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, he's coming in and he is across time, across space, across dimensions, you know, his presence will be felt. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that was so cool when you said dimensions, like they mentioned the dimensions and they make it a point to show in this panel RPM, which is in another dimension, Dino Charge, which was confirmed to be in another dimension through Ninja Steel, and then the Mighty Morphin team, whether that signifies go-go or the show continuity or whatever but i thought that was a really great touch and i also love just the brief moment between wes and jen yeah mm. i was thinking that was really well handled totally for long time fans who have seen time force you instantly get that that's part of the relationship it's it's such a payoff. You might have more questions as to like, <laughs> hey, why is Wes with them in the future? What's going on? But for new readers who may not even be familiar with Time Force, you really get all that you need to get about Time Force and their story really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, it was really well done. And I like it sets setting that up and making that like a pretty like the the first thing that happens is that Jen basically loses everybody and she loses like her love interest who is also a ranger which is also what happens at the end of the issue to our MMPR pink ranger too I like that that bit of symmetry that's really good symmetry and it shows that both of them have lost some someone very important to them exactly yeah the next part of the issue is kind of that fallout with Uh, grace at promethea and they're able to review the footage of draken breaking out there's a little mystery going what did he do with saba why is saba dead there's a lot of anger that jason is also unpacking because it's like look you kept this from us again here we are again you know you're hiding stuff from us and it's kind of like hey you either work with us or get out of the way and I, I like that Beeson really took control there because she gave him more information. She said, well, he got his morpher and his coin back. And they're all kind of like, great. Yeah, it's been really interesting that they've kind of done or really set up like this theme of like broken authority kind of. Because mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of that in this comic between Grace and a lot of the stuff that Zordon's done. Yep. And even like in, in Draken's universe, he ended up rebelling against Rita, who is sort of his authority which I think is really, really interesting considering that MMPR was always like the most goody goody of all the Ranger teams. Like, 
And now we're sort of seeing that team put in a setting where they have to face, like, how, no, the mentors and the people that are above us are actually might be causing a lot of the problems. And that's such an interesting thing for this to explore. Yeah, and it just feels realistic because at the core of this story, they are high school students. And when you're a teenager, what do you rebel against? You rebel against your parents. You rebel against authority. And this theme, like you said, makes sense. Yeah, it's really interesting, and it's really cool. I'm interested to see if that's a thread that plays out through Shattered Grid. Mm-hmm. I expect that it will definitely come up in the main comic, like outside of the storyline too, but I, um, I wonder how much of that's like being set up for where Shattered Grid specifically is going to go to. Right. What I love about this is I don't think we see Grace much after this, right? Yeah, I was just going to say that. She kind of disappeared. Yeah. So I like that it kind of wraps up that whole Promethea arc in a nice little way, but it shows that the Rangers don't need her anymore. They need to take control of the situation themselves. And and that sets up a lot of uh, what's to come in the comic. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Draken regaining his powers he does this trial with ninjor and at this point in the timeline the rangers have not even contacted ninjor they don't know who ninjor is but obviously since draken is from the future he knows all about that ordeal so i love this because i i really like that he defeats these spiritual challenges to prove to ninjor that he can be granted access to him. Yeah. It's another, just a really great example of this comic using continuity in the best possible way. Stuff that hasn't happened in the continuity or timeline of the story itself. But we as viewers know how the whole Ninja quest stuff went. It's such a creative way to kind of deal with where this comic takes place. These kind of future call forwards that they're doing with things. Yeah. And then you see Draken essentially take almost taking advantage of the canon that we know because he knows it too and using it against the Rangers. It's really neat. Yeah, and he's straight up lying to Ninjor to get what he mm-hmm. wants. <laughs> and it kind of plays into what we've seen on the show too. Like Ninjor can be a little naive. I mean, yeah, he's all powerful, but there's a certain innocence about him that like what we see here can be taken advantage of. And it really goes to show that Draken is a master manipulator. He really is. He's been that the the whole arc that we've seen. Yeah, it's almost kind of like he has, at least with Ninja, like he almost has like split personalities, like the Tommy he used to be versus the Tommy he is now. And he can almost kind of shift back into that to trick Ninja by presenting himself as, oh, we were comrades and I'm in trouble and I need your help. And Ninja talks about how, like, oh, these these two powers seem fragmented, like they don't belong together or they weren't put together correctly. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, we were, you know, strapped and it was a last-ditch effort. And, like, he comes up with all this on the fly, <laughs> like, just to yeah. tell Ninja whatever he needs to hear. And then, you know, Ninja goes, oh, well, I'll fix it for you. I'll make the powers gel. And he manipulates the coin mm-hmm. uh, so much that he's able to infiltrate the command center later because the shield they put up specifically for Draken's coin, that signature doesn't exist anymore after Ninjors modified it. Yeah. That panel is so amazing where they're chatting <sighs> and they walk out and then he just strolls out of the darkness like in the next panel. It was so beautifully done. It was so heartbreaking to see Draken be one step ahead of the Rangers. And because I thought 
when they when they were talking and discussing these plans and figuring things out, I'm like, go team. Like, you guys are really using your brains and all the past knowledge and experience to really come up with a solution. And little do they know, his power signature changed. And it's not going to work. So they think they're safe, but they're not. And that plays big into this issue, but... I just thought for a few pages where they're just kind of all standing around talking in the command center, they do a really good job of pushing the story forward. And that's a sign of a great comic, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Sometimes I'll go back and look at these issues and I feel like not a lot has happened story-wise, but I'm never bored reading it. Like, even if it is just a bunch of the characters talking or figuring out a plan, it's still engaging. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. And I think that's really what, that's a big deal. Absolutely. And there's little things, like, you know, when Ninjor is fixing uh, the Morpher, and we get hints of that past, like, okay, these two powers were fused together. Well, we've seen that earlier in this series and then you've got draken like looking at all of ninjor's library and kind of like poking and prodding to see how much information he can get from ninjor and it's really engaging and i just like all the lore that they packed into this issue and we get draken's morph call it's black dragon which follows the theme of tommy calling out his zord to morph dragon zord (laughs) Tiger Zord, and then we got Black Dragon. I thought that was yeah. a really excellent touch. Yes, absolutely. And then the hint that Ninjor put in there that you're weaker, but it's because, you know, I had to reset the powers. I had to make them work harmoniously. So it's like little things that they're setting up here, which I think are going to be really huge coming up uh, in the story. Going back to what you brought up, Chris, where draken strolls into the command center he gets the green chaos crystal which the rangers originally used to get back to their world from the coinless and he's got another piece of the puzzle here yeah absolutely and he has to find a way to charge it which we'll get into in a minute (laughs) yeah so In the command center, Tommy and Kim, there's a little separate thing, and they wanted to go out on a date. We see the date. It's like, you know, a little awkward for a first date. You know, they see a movie. They're talking about it. There's a little awkwardness there. Tommy goes in for the kiss, you know, smooth criminal that he is. (laughs) Kim kind of pulls away. They both walk away, and then we get this panel of Kim walking down the street and being like, no, I... I actually did want to kiss him. And this was great if you've been reading along with Gogo. Of course she's reluctant to get into another relationship after everything that happened with Matt's character, whose story is still unfolding <laughs> in Gogo. <laughs> it could, only get, could yeah. get worse. <laughs> you yeah. just kind of hear like something like you you see the Matt character, you don't actually know 100% what's going to happen, but you hear this like it obviously ended badly, something that's kind of scarred her a little bit. Right. And that's the great thing about this two ongoing series format, which is we get to see how these stories kind of merge and come together and reference each other. And I'll find myself going back and like rereading stretches of the comic just so I, if I can pick out anything new. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really, really well structured for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And she goes back to like, I'm going to kiss you. Hey, Tommy. And then we get this last panel where it's like, we see the word bubble, Tommy. Mm -hmm. And Tommy's like, huh? Who? And because, (laughs) because it's a comic, we don't know where that, who that voice is. It, it could be Kim. And then you turn the page and this is the panel that set the fandom on fire. (laughs) Drunken stabbing Tommy in the back. We don't see the end of the sword, but it's a powerful image. The whole sequence is just so well done and so, so artistically done. Like it's very cinematic still, but still something you can only do at a comic given like the Tommy thing where you wouldn't hear what they're saying, but the entire sequence like leading up with, with Kim, it's it's very reminiscent of like that kind of Joss Whedon-y kind of style of storytelling (laughs) where it's like, as soon as people get really happy, then of course that's when the death happens. Yeah. (laughs) I was just going to say, as soon as everything's going well, boom, but it is true because they could easily, like you said, and it can only be done in a comic. You see the Tommy, you don't hear a voice. So you don't know if it's masculine, feminine, you could have turned that page and it could have been a big splash page of her jumping into his arms and kissing him. Which we all like, wanted, not right, this. That's, and that's, what, that's why <laughs> exactly. it's so perfect because that's what they want you to think. You know what I'm saying? They yeah. lead you there, obviously. And it could you just turn in that page expecting something. Oh, it could have easily just been that. And then you're like, oh, no, that went quite in the opposite direction. <laughs> Dranken uses this to charge the green chaos energy. And, of course, killing the main source of that would supercharge that thing. So, it's like a brilliant plan, but it's like, oh my god, like, what have you done? <laughs> exactly. I really appreciate the how they've minimized, like, the violence of it and, like, the gore. Like, it's still really great, really well done. But you don't see, like, any blood until, like, I think the very last panel... Right. of that comic it still looks like awful but but i, I kind of appreciate that because even though it's definitely written for an older audience it's i, I like that they've kind of kept it open for like for younger readers and things like that yeah. yeah exactly yeah but still for longtime fans yeah. killing tommy is a huge freaking deal yeah this is something that the series has never done before to this extent i mean there's other rangers who have died but to be basically murdered is whoa murdered by yourself (laughs) yeah right and not to mention tommy of all people who is there like you just said like we said earlier in this podcast their flagship character yeah the one most people think of i mean when me and brian talked about it on our podcast we said oh i'm sure someone will die but i'm sure tommy's not going anywhere you know he's their number one there's no chance that (laughs) would ever happen and then i went back and listened to that after i read it i was like you sound so stupid because of course To completely throw you off, of course that's what they had to do. And what I love about the next sequence is amazing, because we got Kim just rushing in there, charging. She's about to get hit by Draken. And in true Terminator 2 style, mm-hmm. Jen, the pink time force ranger, like bursts in, and she's got her cannon. And she just blasts the hell out of Draken. It's so good. (laughs) It's really good. And she even comes in in the sphere so that it like takes the indent out of the floor and like the perfect sphere is such an awesome reference. And because, because of hyperforce, we know that Kyle Higgins is such a big, like eighties movie Terminator type of guy. So to have that kind of reference in there, I instantly got it. I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Sam. That's cool. But yeah, they're able to, 
send him back home. They they push him back. And this trip, it drains Jen completely. And it's just this really gut-wrenching few pages, the last few pages, where Kim is just trying to keep him alive. And Jen's like, no, he's he's gone. And we've got the tears streaming down Kimberly's face, and the last page is just, don't die. She's like, don't be gone. And it's yeah. like, what the hell? Yeah. Oh, and, and Tommy's lines, too. Like, his last words that... His last like cryptic little phrase, like so. That's what what did he say? He said, "So that's what she meant." So that's what she meant. Yeah, which we don't know. We have no idea he's talking about. I think, right? Like that's not a reference that I missed. (laughs) No, and and that's why I I was questioning. I was like, "What the hell is what's going on?" Like that's what she meant. (laughs) Like who who's she? What's going on? So um, I think that's going to come back in a big way. I think that's one of those little things that. We're definitely going to find out what's going on. So for you, the listeners of Ranger Command Power Hour, Gamefly is offering a premium free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. To get your free trial today, go to GameflyOffer.com slash RangerCommandPH. Again, that's GameflyOffer.com slash RangerCommandPH for your free 30-day trial. And now we move right on to the next chronologically released in the sequence, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 26. 26, I thought, was a solid issue because it starts out with Drakken returning to his world and kind of giving orders and then reconnecting with Finster 5. And we see that he's trapped a, a mini ninja in a bottle. So already we're starting to find out these little motivations for Draken. But the thing that really creeped me out was him like hugging Finster Five. Yeah, it's so interesting that that whole relationship. I feel like Kyle Higgins really, really likes Finster a lot. Yeah. Because you've got this and then he also had that story in the in the annual, um, I think last last year or the year before, with like his backstory. Yeah. Which is really cool because Finster has a lot of potential to be a really good character and has never really gotten his due. So it's really such a neat way to explore like that side of the, the canon. Yeah, absolutely. And then we have the funeral for Tommy Oliver. So if you didn't believe that they could kill him, <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> He's going to come out of it any minute, guys. Just wait. <laughs> right. And so we get this, like, really uh, emotional funeral scene. Billy's losing it. He's giving the eulogy. It sucks. And we get this flashback to them trying to revive him. And then... Oh, man. It's so rough. It's rough. And then they're like, what do we do with the body? <laughs> oh, God. It's crazy. They're like, hey, well, do we just make him disappear? And, you know, Billy's like, no, we can't put his mom through that. And then Jason says that we all have to grieve. And then we get this panel sequence of the first day, and they're all surrounding Tommy's mom, who is, like, broken down. Day two, we get the power transfer, where uh, Jason now has the powers of the Dragon Zord, And then... Day three, we see the entire school grieving. Four, we get shots of the wake. And now the funeral. And we have this moment where Jason's just crying. Zach's there to be there for him. 
And then what I thought was brilliant was we get another hug. So the first hug that we got was uh, Finster 5 and Draken in like kind of a happy way, but they're evil. But now we got the good guys who are <laughs> hugging because they're sad and they've just lost someone. So the dichotomy there is insane. Yeah, yeah. These issues are all so well-structured. Yeah, it's really well done. And I, I just thought that was such a emotional moment. And then, again, it feels like, oh, hey, more command center scenes. But because we're getting explanation, it's just, it's making me pour into these issues. And Jen pretty much lays out what's going on in Shattered Grid. Like, the universe has fractured. She tells him a little bit about the future. Like, hey, you guys inspire hundreds of future Rangers, which I thought was a great line. But... Because they're dealing with this whole situation, none of our characters that we're following, none of the Mighty Morphin team are really absorbing what the weight of her words mean, if that makes sense. Yeah. It seems like they don't have time to process, oh my god, there's like hundreds of rangers that in the future we inspire. Because they're dealing with this huge emergency. Obviously, Kim is desperate and she says hey you're a time traveler can't we just go back in time and save him and jen has to pretty much just lay it on her that no it's it's not gonna work like that yeah i feel like the the rules that they've kind of established for this are really cool because they're able to explore like these different timelines and dimensions and have like a literal you know time traveler right on their team but without having to deal with any of the the complex like headaches of, of time travel stuff. Mm-hmm. The fact that, you know, the way that the dimensions have kind of broke down, like the point of the story is that reality is essentially broken down and put up these barriers in these little like bubble dimensions through time. So like right. they can visit these different timelines and things without any of the paradoxes. Exactly. It's so smart. And, and it's, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, it almost seems like it should be an obvious sci-fi concept, but I feel like something like that doesn't really pop up very often. It's so like perfect. Yeah, and because it doesn't, like, that kind of causality effect where they broke down the universe so everything's kind of protected. So even though there's a Zeo universe, which we'll get to in the annual, yeah, they may have dealt with a version of Draken, but they never had all of this happen. So Tommy's still around. There's, like, a Zeo Tommy. Presumably there's a Dino Thunder Tommy. So. The way that Kyle Higgins was able to write that to take causality out of the picture and have it make sense and get that through to an audience who who may not deal with or read or, or interact with time travel stories in science fiction is an incredible feat. Yeah. This just popped into my brain. Do you think there's a universe somewhere in this the map they showed out where the white ranger of tommy exists somewhere i don't know if my morphin if they necessarily went like every season is its own pocket universe but i mean if zeo tommy's universe at that point time went forward and obviously he was the white ranger at some point yeah I feel like story-wise, every universe up to that point where the grid shattered, it's like that's the original timeline. That's the sense that I'm getting. Yeah. I was just thinking they could they could 
get a collection of Tommy's. It was like there was an episode of <laughs> Spider-Man. Do you guys remember the 90s Spider-Man cartoon? Yes, yes. I know what you're talking about now. At <laughs> the very end, I think it was like the last two episodes of the fifth season, they brought all the different versions of Spider-Man together on one team. Yep. And I feel like uh, MMPR fans could finally have like, <laughs> we pulled the White Ranger Tommy and the Zeo Tommy and the Turbo Tommy and the Dino Thunder Tommy. And they're well, all together. Well, not Zeo Tommy now. Yeah. Uh, which we'll get to. He uh, might be better soon. We don't know. <laughs> The funny thing is that that you bring that up, Chris, is because they've already done that type of story in the annual with the Black Rangers Forever. Right, yeah. So they've already introduced that concept to us. The only annual I've read is this year's. I haven't seen. Was that in a previous one? Oh, my God. It's so good. It's so good, dude. Oh, Oh my God. (laughs) So so here's a little plug. They're actually collecting the 2016 and 2017 annuals together in a collected edition that's yeah. coming out this summer get that yeah i yeah. think it's on amazon for like 12 bucks i already have the get page it. bookmarked i think it comes out in august so yeah patiently waiting for that i won't spoil it but it's it's not tommy that you get to see multiple versions of but it's right. freaking awesome it's good and now we get to what i thought was the most awesome part of this entire issue 26 Draken has started invading worlds and he starts out with the Samurai Rangers. And we get a little training of them. The likenesses here with Mike, Emily, and Lauren are perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's really impressive. It's nice too because I don't care for Samurai very much, but I, I appreciate that, like, even in these, like, kind of really just brief glimpses that we see of them, they pretty much nail their personalities like the little personality that they had pretty much nail them in there right and kind of get you to care about this team real quickly before you know dispatching them like immediately and i love it that they get the set pieces right like that is the sheba house like that is the set i feel that they really did their research for this and we see draken's army and it's nuts Mm -hmm. we see a full battle And I love it. I love when the Samurai Rangers, you know, she's like, helmets on, spin swords up. And they just all pose like samurai style in front of his army. It's so impressive because they all use their powers too. They all use their symbol powers. But then Dragon's forces overwhelm. Lauren kind of falls off a cliff. And then they get an alert across the dimensions and because of the adjustments that they made to the transportal device that Jen brought, they can skip around to all these different universes. And we get this awesome beam in where they all beam into Lauren's world and they don't even attack the Sheba house head on because it's already been taken over, but they do find and help out Lauren. Again, there's a lot of action there. There's one panel where it's like, all of them like morphing on their helmets or, or transporting out. Oh, so good. I just love that lineup. Yeah, it's so great. Yeah, I think it's really cool. A couple things. One, every time Jason morphs now, he just automatically has the dragon shield. It's almost yep. like he doesn't yeah. have the option not to have it. And also, I think it's really cool. Like you said, now they have Lauren, they have Jen. Like by the end of this thing, we could have a really eclectic awesome group of like random rangers from across this whole thing and i think that's Mm -hmm. what's kind of most exciting for me yeah definitely oh me too 
it's the team up that we always wanted. <laughs> and now we get the big reveal for these last two pages. Draken has collected the Samurizers. We see them in Finster 5's lab. They're all connected to this device, which he powers on and becomes a brand new version of Draken. It's samurai style. And what I love about it, it's not just the samurai. It pulled their mega mode form from the show, which I confirmed with the artist. So his shield and that like hard style and even that trapezoid point in the center, that whole shielding, if you look at a screenshot next to their, the samurai rangers, like mega mode when they're in the Zords, the cockpit mode, the cockpit mode, it's exactly that. So they're pulling all these design elements, but for them to pull from the mega mode, which was a US version only, mm-hmm. is awesome. I think it's just so great from a design standpoint. Yeah, I love that they've really shown their research. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I love that every time he takes a new power, his form is going to change. I think that's yeah. really awesome. I'm really that's excited so about that as well. And the fact that now he's going to, we have blue samurai sentries as part of his army because he's also collecting the power to make, you know, right. more, more different soldier types for his army, which is pretty amazing. And also, this is a random question, but have we ever figured out how Finster 5 became part Finster and part Alpha? Nope. <laughs> okay, that has explained it. I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything. The only hint that I got was when Billy and Tommy originally went to Draken's world. There was a sign on the like Alcatraz type building that said Finster Memorial School or, or something. It was like a, a dedicated to his memory. So at some point, Finster died and Draken essentially resurrected him, turning him into like an Alpha 5 cyborg. That's what I'm assuming happened. Yeah. But there's one line on this last page. Each set of morphers access the morphing grid in the same way. But from our purposes, we will only need the power from one morpher per set. In fact, any more from a particular set will become unstable. But we can use the extra morphers for the sentry army. After all, we have so much to conquer. Mm. So... I like that they are establishing these rules. Yeah. And doing it in a natural way. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we're skipping by the, like, Blue Centurion story, but it's cool, but I read these. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they don't do much for me either. And this one's such, like, so little has even happened in it. It's cool, and I like the idea of kind of pairing together, like, characters that otherwise would have never interacted kind of on the sidelines but it's not funny enough to like justify being a comedy and that not enough has really happened yet to even really like think about it now we move on to the annual we've got a zeo story spd story in space story rpm story and a ninja steel story (laughs) which was better than any episode of ninja steel by the way (laughs) correct What's your guys' favorite story in this? I don't know. I'm kind of the same. It's hard to say because I was impressed to how wildly different they all are, for one. Mm -hmm. The one that stuck with you the most was the Zeo story. It was kind of a cool, like, capper on that season at the end, you know, at the end of it, because that season has always been, never really had, like, a satisfying ending. Correct. So it's a cool little capper for it. It's, like, so happy throughout it and then has such a dark ending. But the RPM story is really cool, too. 
just in general. Yeah. I thought the Zia story was really neat just because when you're reading it, you, you know, Jason is leading the team from being the Gold Ranger. So I thought that was kind of neat. And I forget where that variant cover came in of him in the gold Zeo powers, like looking at the red Tyranno thing behind the glass. That's one that I don't think's been released yet. Uh, that will be for issue 28. That's the variant oh, okay. for issue 28. Yeah. That's a beautiful variant. I love that yeah. so much. But with the Zeo story, so Jason's leaving. They're having a little going away party for him. And then, you know, up on top of the, they're sitting on top of the command center or wherever they are having that talk, Jason and Tommy. And then you find out the whole time is Draken in disguise. And it's just like so twisted to have him sit there and have that conversation with Jason, like their best yeah. friends. And then just be like, oh, I have real Tommy in the closet. I'm going to go uh, cut his throat. Like it's so twisted. I did not see that coming at all either. No, it lends back to that like split right. personality that I said he has where you can just kind of like bring out the other version to fit in so seamlessly. And then it just makes him so twisted. You know what I mean? His first opportunity he gets to lift a morpher. I think it's Adams. He takes it. He gets his powers. He kills the Tommy of that time just for to do it. I guess he doesn't really have a reason to, but yeah, just cause. yeah. Well, he kills Tommy to like get rid of him because apparently he just likes killing past versions of himself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the one with Jet Li. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh my god. <laughs> but then, but then he gets a Zionizer for the green Zeo sentries that we'll see later, mm. and one for his power set. And when you, we go back to the main comic, this conversation has affected Draken. Like he's contemplating things. He's trying to figure out why everyone loves Tommy when he doesn't believe that himself. Yeah. So I love that this annual is tying so well and informing us of what is going to happen later in the series. It's like a great way to tie all these stories together without detracting from the main comic story. So this is a perfect opportunity to do it. It's like to leave a couple of little breadcrumbs that'll pay off later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And clearly and Kyle has said this before in different interviews, like on Ranger Danger podcast, that this annual focuses on characters that will have greater impact on Shattered Grid in future issues. So you've got Doggy Kruger, you've got In Space, you've got RPM. We've already seen Dr. K form a part in this story. So I like that this is like a prequel in a way for their parts of the story coming up. And we also get, which is like continuity-wise amazing, we get an explanation of why Jason has his morpher in Forever Red for Tyrannosaurus. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it wasn't shoehorned in. It was like a natural way to send off this story. And I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, me too. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, Draken uh, kills Zeodami. <laughs> Oops. It sucks that the last panel of that is the photo of all of them together. I'm like, it's really? So dark. It's super dark. Then we get the SPD story, which I loved all of it. It's <laughs> so fun. It's awesome. And the fact that the SPD Rangers win. Yeah, yeah. yeah they really drive neat. them off. I love it because we also get Sea Squad, and I feel like this is earlier 
in their SPD season. I didn't say earlier because Shadow Ranger has his powers, but it's not like the finale or anything because we still got Jack there. We still got the core team. Uh, but I love just in the first shot and that it really solidified it for me that these guys have done their research was that, you know, we've got Jack and Sky making a side comment about the C-Squad and Cruiser's like, well, you can join them where they're riding your backs and you can give me one five miles. It just fit the tone of the show so well. Yeah, definitely. Draken starts invading this world. We get, you know, the epic team morph. And I love it because they're all posing exactly like from the Sentai in the show. I love that panel. But more importantly, I love it because it's the first time Shadow Rangers in the comic. And it's <laughs> freaking awesome. <laughs> what I love about this whole story was that the B-Squad is also using their powers in one panel. It's kind of subtle. We've got Sky using his shield, and then there's a bullet that goes through Jack because he's phased, and Z is duplicated herself to drag Kruger off of the battlefield. We get Cat and Boom in this, and even the C-Squad, they focus on the C-Squad and show them working together. And I think that's the really good message takeaway from this particular comic. That yeah. when people team up, you can overcome these great obstacles. Yeah, totally. It's really nice that they were able to have a little message in there, even amongst like all this craziness that's happening. And it's still it's just a very old school Power Rangers lesson. Mm-hmm. And we get Rick version 3.0. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> Which is basically a big, huge Megazord version of Rick, and it's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. But yeah, they beat back Draken, and that was really cool. And we're going to be able to see them coming up in the comic, because there's this one epic cover that's coming up for issue 28, where it's all the unmorphed SPD Rangers, the morphed RPM Rangers, the MMPR Rangers versus all of the centuries and i'm just like oh my god i can't believe this <laughs> oh man that cover's so good ever since they released that cover image that has been my lock screen on my phone nice because <laughs> nice. i i just love it then we move into the rpm story which is like the show dark <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think about the rpm story i thought the art for this one was a little weird oh uh, the art yeah, I don't know. It just was a little, I don't want to say creepy, but I don't know. I just, I didn't love it as much as the others. I liked it, but it's definitely a lot more stylized. It's stylized yeah. very differently than what we're used to in all the other other issues. Yeah. But it kind of, it fits RPM though, because it, it's sort of like that kind of gritty, like grainy type of style Fungy, art. So it works. Yeah, it totally worked for me too. And I love that this focused on Dr. K. yeah. It revolved around her birthday. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Which is already a huge sticking point for her because, as she said in the comic, it reminds of her of her captivity in Alphabet Soup. Right. The greatest thing that I love about this story was that we find out Draken's main motivation is like, you were able to completely wipe out this planet and you did it without anyone resisting. You were still able to maintain some form of control at the end. Why don't we team up? <laughs> and that was insane to me. Yeah. 
that is his twisted version of how he wants to take over. And it feels like he's trying to bring order, like his own sense of order. But he is approaching Dr. K because from his point of view, it was like the perfect way to conquer a whole planet. And she's seeing it because she's still facing her demons of like, oh no, I just accidentally released the Vengex virus. That's all on Vengex. And it's making her confront the truth where it's like, yeah, but it was still kind of your fault that the world ended. Yeah, I mean, from an outsider's perspective, if they were just looking at, like, objectively what happened, she's the bad guy, you know, at least at, at this point in the RPM timeline where they're at now. So it's a, it's a really cool take on it. Yeah, that's what I really liked. Although I, I was surprised, like, when she shot him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, like, giant gun. Wait, did she just end Shatter Group? But no, it's it's like a replicant kind of yeah like it's it's yeah. just another android that would be great though she just she kills him shattered grid ends halfway through the annual <laughs> the next two stories are just the rangers having a picnic yeah <laughs> where did dragon go i don't know but i'm not gonna ask questions out of all of them i think this was the most emotional one yeah i totally agree dr k is probably one of the best power rangers characters i think just in terms mm-hmm. of how complex she is so it's cool first of all that they spotlighted her when she's not a power ranger so they're actually you know going into all the all the characters of of the universe but they handled her very well and i think that's that's really cool yeah moving on to in space at first i think tj was a little off character yeah i have really conflicted feelings about this one because i like it in concept i think dealing with the whole the idea of like when a ranger is kind of downgraded which has happened many times in the show but it's rarely ever dealt with i think is really mm-hmm. cool but yeah like you said TJ's always been pretty chill about everything, so it's, just, <laughs> it's a cool concept, but it seemed like he was like the, the wrongest ranger to have put that on. Exactly. And then we've got kind of like this infiltration style by Draken and his team, like they just get on board the mega ship kind of covertly and then take it over, and totally heartbreaking, but Draken smashes alpha and that sucks yeah. <laughs> he's like i need these parts to go build finster five <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. this is this is so bad though but like the panel where he first like smashes his head in my for my eyes first went to the panel showing that andrus and ashley like sleep in the same bunk which has interesting impl- implications that make a lot of sense i did not <laughs> even notice that yeah. they, oh they're in the same room anything goes in space no parental yep. figures <laughs> yep yeah andros let's rock it i mean <laughs> come on um <laughs> what is up wow no that's a good observation <laughs> multiple uses for those telekinetic powers <laughs> yikes so yeah but i i liked how tj went into Kind of his own diehard moment yeah. <laughs> <laughs> against Draken, which was really cool. He's in defense. Come out to space, have a few laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> There's kind of like a back and forth with TJ doing things behind the scene, Draken finally figuring it out. But when he does, we're left with TJ just kind of floating in space and the Rangers going, hey, where where is he? 
I sure hope he'll DJ's alright. <laughs> he'll be fine. They can breathe in space in Power Rangers, so it's cool. But he's wearing <laughs> yeah, a mask. I know. <laughs> uh, well, Sylvie rode the uh, exactly. space surfboard, whatever those things are called, and she exactly. was just in space with no protective gear whatsoever. So. He'll land on the moon where there's perfect gravity and a total atmosphere, and he'll just walk around and hang out till the rescue him. It'll be fine. <laughs> It was an okay story, but I think the TJ being kind of not really his personality, he really had something up his butt at that time. (laughs) I'm for real. He was just like, dude, pull the stick out. (laughs) You lost a game of cards, like whatever. I kind of get it in a way because his thing is like, hey, we should be defending the galaxy, not just kind of flying around in space doing nothing. Right. And then I think on top of that, it's also the fact that, like, he was just the leader for, like, six months, and now you have this other standoffish dude with goober hair that's your leader now. And so I, I kind of get it. Like, it's an interesting angle of, like, resentment, but it just doesn't make sense, I guess. You know what? Part of me is thinking that this might take place post their series. Oh, interesting. Because that would explain why Ashley and andros are sharing a room right yeah and then maybe like a lot of his boredom comes from like oh we saved the universe now we're just hanging and out now we nothing have nothing to do, to do. <laughs> yeah yeah actually yeah so it's like more of a cabin fever kind of thing that makes sense that does make sense but it explains that yeah because their relationship really only progressed towards countdown to destruction yeah i'm gonna think that this is post space cool i like season. that i like that theory Really, TJ's just still bitter at Andros for killing Zordon. (laughs) I'll never forgive him for the death of my boy. (laughs) I want to say that this might be in that period between In Space and their team-up in Lost Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, very possible. Okay, cool. We'll we'll go with that. And then finally, Ninja Steel. (laughs) So, on to Go-Go Issue 9. Yeah, it was all right, yeah. actually. I don't think it was that bad. It was it was fine. It wasn't my favorite. Yeah, it would have been like the weakest story out of out of all of these. It's like between that and the in space story, I think are the two weakest ones of this yeah. of this whole slew. It was like Zeo, SPD, RPM, and Ninja Steel was also there. <laughs> <laughs> What's kind of interesting to me is that uh God, I I can't even think of his name. <laughs> the the Red Ranger. Is that what are you? <laughs> Brody, yeah, wow. Jeez. So the, <laughs> but I like that this first page is his him describing this dream where, you know, hey, we saw it coming. You know, we got Mick crying over a destroyed red bot. And we've got Odious and that other chick from Super Ninja Steel. So it feels like they're almost foreshadowing the finale of Super Ninja Steel. That would be cool way to tie that in, yeah. But they're like, oh, but it's just a dream. And like, yeah, last week I dreamt that Victor was president. And it's like, that's a nightmare. And (laughs) this, we get the implication that Zoe and Calvin are sleeping together because she's like, Haley and Calvin screaming. Haley and Calvin. Who am I? Wow, I'm all over the place, okay? (laughs) It's because I don't watch yeah. Super Ninja Steel. <laughs> I don't care. You're like the White Ranger and the Yellow Ranger. <laughs> they probably have names. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not important right now. And then his dad's kind of chilling there. 
to me it's weird. Like his his dad's there, but his dad hasn't really been a part of this season so far. And then they go to like it looks like they're chilling at their old barn mm-hmm. that they used to train at. And then there's this weird Japanese garden that's never been in the show. Yeah. That they fight at. So to me it just fell off. It's like are we just seeing this comic and they're referencing things that we haven't seen yet in Super Ninja Steel? They're just trying to help us out by giving Super Ninja Steel some ideas. They're like, look, use any of this. Please do something. (laughs) But that's the thing. Like, this story was written by the writers of the show. It was written by Becca Barnes and Alwyn Dale. Uh, then maybe it's them saying, look, guys, we're capable of good writing. We just Nickelodeon shackles. Just, please believe me. Please believe yeah. me. Well, no, that's what I'm saying is like, are they writing things? Because obviously they had to describe the scene. Mm-hmm. And especially with that first panel where his quote unquote dream. But what if that's what we actually see in the show? And this is their way of foreshadowing that for us. That would be yeah. cool. Yeah. To me, is the only redeeming factor of this particular story. Mm-hmm. I really didn't like that Draken battled Brody and was defeated, but he got a chunk of his power star, which Mick just magically able to fix anyway. Yeah, that was really lame, especially because like every other team, they've been totally fine with just like breaking their entire world. Like the only reason they felt like they needed to repair it, like because the season's currently airing and That's they don't want to confuse yeah. kids, kids who are, or they don't want to confuse kids. <laughs> kids even. Kids. The only other really cool part was, well, I like that Brody felt like what he did in the first season finale was like the way to do this. Like he assumed, oh yeah, well, the Ninja Star is going to help me out. It, it'll be like that exact same situation. Yeah, that was cool. And it was clever. Backfiring because otherwise he didn't know what to do. The other cool part of this was, holy cow, the, was it the Pink Ranger? Or, or no, the White Ranger. Uh, Haley, right? Yes. Zoe's the actress. That's where I got turned around. But Haley turned into the Lion Fire version of the White Ranger, which was never even in the Sentai. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It would be neat if, like, that's something that's going to happen in the show. But given it wasn't in the Sentai, it probably isn't. So I feel like that might have just been, like, just doing it because you can do it in a comic. Exactly. Yeah. The last panel is is Draken's like, hey, just uh, melt down the ninja steel for me. I have an idea. So in some way, we'll have ninja steel referenced again, I imagine. He'll get the dinosaur that they'll probably never get from the Sentai movie. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But overall, I thought the annual was really good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I enjoyed it a lot. I didn't know that the ninja steel story was written by the same writers of the show. So that kind of... Puts in a new perspective yeah. for me. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, as soon as I saw their names, I was like, oh boy, we're in for something. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we'll move on quickly to uh, th- these last few issues. Uh, go to Power Rangers 9. We get a little bit more hints of the resistance and, and what happened in Draken's world. Uh, we've got Bulk. Uh, we've got Kimberly, who eventually becomes the Ranger Slayer. 
we get Miss Appleby, which was just <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and I like that she recognized one of her students. Hey, I, I know you, Mark Curtis, you slimy little fascist turncoat. <laughs> but I love that. Like, she was just so there for it. That was great. And Kim showing off her uh, archery skills and them kind of knowing that she was a ranger too, which was all really good. I had a question real quick, and this is getting into issue 10 as well a little bit. Are oh, we sure, sure. are we assuming that the Bow of Darkness is what's keeping her on Draken's side? Because obviously you see her kind of come to the rescue a little bit here. Like she's kind of like up in that corner, like shooting from above. And then right. I swear in the issue I read today, issue 10, when she's talking to Bulk, you can see the black and pink costume under whatever she's wearing. So I'm wondering, is like, do you know what I mean? Like, was she still having her ranger powers in the future, but then she somehow got captured in the bow of darkness is what's keeping her evil? Or is that just her mentality? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm hoping they explore that more. Oh, right. There is kind of her costume underneath. Oh. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm looking at it now, too. I didn't even notice that the first time I read it. Dude, that was a good catch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like like she betrays the resistance. That's what I'm saying. Is she a mole for Draken oh. in the resistance? Or is she, or is she a turned mole evil. for the resistance with Draken, kind of like Skull is? Or is she just turned by the bow of darkness? Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, wow. So you got a couple situations that could play out there. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's a really good point. Something that I picked up on and I tweeted about it was it was mentioned in in one of the boom rooms that Kyle did with the Ranger Danger podcast where the reason we don't see any more pink sentries, remember they were the snipers, was because their powers were reconsolidated to make the Ranger Slayer. Okay. So it's still her power coin. Yes, I'm just wondering if that, so did she lose it at some point? And then went to Draken to get it back? Or did he capture her? Maybe he captured her from the Resistance because in this issue, when she's saving the Resistance people like Mrs. Appleby, she doesn't have her power. She has kind of a normal bow. Right. So maybe she gets captured and then given her powers back with the Bow of Darkness to work for Draken. Which makes her evil. Right. Yeah. So he captures her. And then reconsolidates the powers back into the power coin and then turns her into an evil pink ranger. And that's what we see. Right. Okay, this just popped in my brain as well. What if we know that at some point all their memories have to be wiped? Because obviously in the Go-Go universe, she's in the past before Tommy comes and they don't remember any of this. And we also know from that second hyperforce episode of shattered grid their memories get wiped as well so what if they come back in time and they team up with the go-go rangers to free her and destroy the bow of darkness and then draken gets upset by that and wipes all their memories and puts them back and who knows what he does with kim at that point interesting oh my thing is is because go-go is showing us the future what if Bogo's universe just leads into Draken's world? I think that one of the writers confirmed that that's not the case. I think. Oh, that, okay. Yeah. I, it might have been Ryan who said that, but it was in an interview where he explicitly said, like, oh, it's a cool theory, but that's not a plan. Could be a lie, but... 
Right. That's yeah, because if they call it, he wouldn't right admit it. Okay, you got me. No reason to keep reading. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but, but to me, it's like it, it creates this huge plot hole, which, you know, Chris, you're talking about, they somehow have their memories wiped because right now they're the go-go rangers who are supposedly before you know all of this makes them look like idiots in the future like oh remember that one time we got kim from the future so yeah it's like there's gonna have to be some kind of time displacement or memory wipe or or something it's almost like a terminator situation like if kim comes back into this version of the past because she's looking for draken but he doesn't exist yet and then that Tommy becomes Draken. It's almost like sending <laughs> Kyle Reese to protect John Connor to give birth to John Connor. Yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole oh wow! <laughs> yeah, because she does say like, "Oh, I've I'm I must early. have traveled too far. I'm too early. He's yeah. not in here." Yeah, maybe and maybe oh, the uh, the she yeah. that Tommy's referring to when he dies is like that version of Kimberly maybe interacted with him in, in the, oh, during the go-go timeline. Holy crap. <laughs> he is a big Terminator <laughs> fan. <laughs> we know this. Oh my God, you're right. All right, so we get Kim and her parents fighting, so we get more of that story. We've got Billy working with the Triceratops, and I love his explanation, how it's like, Zordon says that the more time we spend with our Zords, we can they can sort of rewire our brains so he's like well if i study in my zord when i'm morphed maybe that that bleed effect will happen which i thought was awesome yeah yeah and he has an awesome moment in issue 10 which we'll get to i guess in a little bit <laughs> yeah but then we have this uh sequence of them all trying to contact matt and we see the top shot is is Matt reading all of these messages, and he's kind of alone in the library. Everyone's really worried about him. And then they morph immediately, and you've got this like kind of awkward split panel morph. And I only say awkward because you you only see Jane's hair, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little weird to me. <laughs> but I mean, it's unique. Like, how many yeah. different times can you illustrate? A morph quickly you know right in the comics and then this is the fight we get goldar we've got the putties and the freaking entrance to the ranger slayer and what an entrance she's slicing putty she's jumping off trains doing all kinds of awesome arrow shots and then she straight up face kicks goldar <laughs> and like smashes his nose and I thought that was so damn cool. Yeah. But it's weird because it's like she's attacking Goldar and then also the Rangers. And she, like, almost, well, she does best them because she ends up kicking Kimberly, like, halfway across the train yard, which was just <laughs> an incredible action sequence there. And yeah. she takes off her helmet and it's like, oh, I will spare me? And she's like, what? And I love how Kimberly's reaction is like, who let you go outside with that haircut? <laughs> <laughs> but that's true. Can she not kill the, if that really is the past version of her, this is Draken's future. And if she killed herself, she, do you know what I mean? If she killed the younger version of her, she'd be killing herself, I would assume. But I guess it's affected by the whole causality thing that the shattered grid is, is right. doing. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I guess like pretty much anything they do doesn't really matter at this point. 
That's true. Because she's like, hey, I'll kill you all and take Lord Draken back myself. And they're like, Who, who's Lord Draken? <laughs> and that's where we get, oh, I'm in the wrong year. And she ends up blowing a tanker car to get away. And then we get the sequence of, was that me? We got Billy speculating about infinite dimensions. And Zordon saying, well, we don't really know what we don't know. And we've get an, another nice shot of Kimberly and Trini kind of talking it out. And that's what I love consistently through these comics is that they've really done a good job of establishing these relationships. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, all, all of the relationships have been really good. And I think you can say the same for not just Gogo, but the main or the MMPR one too. Because one of the things I was thinking about um, during like the Tommy funeral was that all of pretty much every ranger has had had some kind of meaningful scene or like connection outside of just what was in the show with Tommy right before he died. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes it even more impactful. And then like Gogo, they've even deepened that even more within themselves. So it's, it's really neat to see how they've kind of taken this team that we were all familiar with and then made them grow within each other, like way more than they ever did on the show. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then we get kind of a bummer. Jason finds out that his father is dying yeah and we don't know of what but that'll come to play in issue 10 it was so powerful because they're arguing and his dad's like hey do i stick my nose in your business and you're going out all hours and i don't ask you any of that and hey i respect your privacy respect mine and yeah but at the same time you're dying right he was very reminiscent of the 2017 movie version of his dad, I feel like, of this kind yes. of like corrupt, attached guy. Yes, that's exactly what I thought. Like, you know, his dad that's pushing him all the time, but but at the same time is not really opening up to him. Right, right, exactly. The final uh, couple pages, uh, we've got Kim being approached by Rita. And Kim is still, like, standoffish, like... Hey, uh, you know, did you come here to finish off what your golden boy started? And it makes sense why she would be against Rita because Draken killed Rita. Rita was his enemy. And so, you know, even now she's distrustful of Rita, but Rita comes with this proposition like, could your Zord use a jumpstart? And we get our first shot of the, the Grave Zord. Ah, man, it's so cool. That's like the coolest looking Zord they've had in a long time. It really is. And to be able to combine all the different like ninja Zords and have like Tor's head and all this craziness uh, Mm -hmm. combined into one Zord, visually, it is really well put together. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I know we see we see a better glimpse of it like in the in the issue after it, but it's just like the kind of like sleekness that it has. I know a lot of a lot of people have compared him. He looks a lot like Omnimon from Digimon, which right. is totally true. But that kind of design, I feel like we don't really get from Zords very often, where it's just almost made to be like this very slender, the slender like kind of a uh, like almost more like a martial arts fighter, honestly, like the way that it's built, which is really neat. Yeah, I definitely see Omnimon in the legs, but I feel like the torso is definitely Imperial Dramon, if you guys yeah. are familiar with them at all. Yes, yes. With it's the, like a mixture, a mixture the of the head on the chest and the wings and the gun and everything on the arm. Yeah. 
I, I'm not familiar with uh, Digimon all that much, but I, I definitely know what you guys are talking about. It's really this cool armor amalgamation that we don't see much in Power Rangers. And uh, to your point, Derek, you know, that more slender look, it's almost like what we get with the Battle Borgs. Yeah. You know, the Alien Rangers, where they're like these individual fighters that are still sleek and more maneuverable than a typical Zord. Right. That was really cool. I popped a picture of Imperial Dramon in the chat for you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Let me see. Uh... Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I get you. Yep. <laughs> if you don't know Digimon at all, do yourself a favor and watch the heck out of some Digimon. Uh, okay. oh, so good. That's like my favorite thing right below Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah, I love it too. I definitely see the uh, inspiration on that one for sure. Yeah, the head, the chest, and the wings. It's kind of uh, kind of unmistakable there. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll move on to the free comic book day issue, and I loved everything about this. Yeah, it's not a ton of new information. It's I mean, for comic book day, it's almost always, here's a quick sum up of where we're at so far. Breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs, now get into the main book. And so <laughs> there's all of that in there. So you're rehashing a lot of stuff that if you've been reading the series, you know all this stuff already. But it was neat to just see Zordon connect into the Morphing Grid and the emissaries of the Morphing oh. Masters. Their costumes kept changing in various parts altogether. It was a really neat idea and really cool touch. Yeah. What a what a great way to visualize like abstract concepts like that. Yes. Like it's just like this the whole issue is just like this ephemeral, very really just really cool. <laughs> no, it's it's super amazing. And what I liked about this free comic book day issue is that yeah, even though it's getting people up to speed, this is the first time we see the iconic them getting their powers in the boom continuity. And yeah. they even did the exact same lines from the show. Like, oh, wow, it's a fully sentient, multifunctional automaton. <laughs> and but, but we're getting the boom version of that, which is awesome. So even though it's retelling the basic Power Rangers story, it's done with the boom style. And we even get a moment where we never saw it in the show, but where Trini and Billy meet Tommy for the first time because in Green with Evil they already kind of knew who he was when he was first introduced in the martial arts tournament but kind of like oh yeah it's the new kid it's Tommy oh he's so cool but here we're actually seeing them meeting him for the first time and we get an Applebee's joke which is great <laughs> <laughs> but I like that from this perspective it does bring in new readers and brings them up to speed. But at the same time, we're seeing how Zordon is making his case that they are worthy of their help in this instance. And then you get that little bit of heartache at the end when they kind of have to deny him and tell him that because he came here, he used up his, his chance to become one with the morphing grid when he dies which is kind of a bummer yeah. zordon's <laughs> such a tragic character yeah. in the boom comics yeah it's true but it is cool when he gets to jump into the morphing grid and pull a dr manhattan <laughs> 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 but no that's that's what's great is because it makes his death in countdown to destruction so much more tragic yeah 
because no, he didn't just go into the morphing grid and, and become one with the universe. Like that's it. He's gone for him to take that chance because he believes so much in this team of Rangers is really powerful. Although technically because of hyperforce, he's still alive. <laughs> yeah who knows i'll allow it <laughs> a version of zordon is still alive and a version of him is dead yes that's so multiverse <laughs> so this time when they pull they're like okay now it's a full team of zordons it's the alive zordon and the dead zordon and well the dead zordon's no help and the other guy's just a tube so we lose <laughs> but, but still this is calling back to what we've seen before we've seen zordon in I think I believe it was issue ten or fifteen. I think it was fifteen, where he kind of saw the multiverse when he was still not reconstituted for the Rangers, yeah. and he interacted with another version of himself. That issue was so cool. It feels like everything is really connected together, and you're really seeing how much care the team have put into crafting this story. And the big reveal is we see how Draken rose to power, and he killed Rita. Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely shocker. <laughs> but didn't we already kind of know that? It's or like we just implied. Not seen it? it was imp- it was implied, but now we've we actually seen it. Him just stabbing her and like I'm going to continue what we started to see <laughs> that. Yeah was really awesome it's like insert the gif of uh quicksilver from avengers 2 you didn't see that coming (laughs) (laughs) him pleading his case to the emissaries and them pretty much denying him was really crazy and then they did like the most dickish thing of all they're like well we can't help you but you know may the power protect you and they kick him out (laughs) oh man Wow, so that's where Zordon gets his <laughs> kind of <laughs> a- aloofness from sometimes, you yeah. know. <laughs> Again, an example of your authority that is totally broken and not actually helping you and probably causing more problems than they're solving. Yep. I also like how after they kick him out, they're like, well, that's a shame. I was looking forward to hanging out with Zordon one day. <laughs> <laughs> but they still kind of argue the point a bit. Like, they're still, well, you know, he might have a point. But they're like, well, we can't really get involved in that. Yeah, and then we get this shot of, of Draken and all the kind of morphers flying around. We even see, like, Dino Thunder and Wild Force in there. But I believe Kyle said in, in another interview that that was kind of a more, like, what-if future. He may not really have those particular morphers in that case. Ah, uh, that makes sense. But it's a good issue. Yeah. All right, moving on to 27, which, at this point in the story is my absolute favorite. Like, I know they're all really good, but I feel like they keep getting better. But this one had (laughs) so many freaking amazing moments in this. I love the cover, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. The covers, main cover's fabulous. And somebody said, and I don't remember who it was, so I apologize, but someone at one point said, you know, the cover that we saw a couple months ago is potentially a spoiler. (laughs) But because Jason has the dragon shield on, but because you've seen it so many times your whole life, you never thought anything about it. When they first showed the solicitations for this, there was no Dragon Shield. And it had one of those, art is not final. And then, yeah, when they first showed this, there was no shield on him. 
they didn't reveal the shield until after 25 came out, yes. right? I, I think. Yes. And then they came out with like, okay, here's the final solicitation. Oh, okay. I swear I saw it with the shield beforehand, but I didn't think anything of it just because, like I said, you see the Red Ranger with the Dragon Shield like all the time and everything. So I didn't really think anything of it. Pretty sneaky of them to do that. And that was just like, speaking of cover art not final, for the longest time, the cover for 26 just had the Pink Ranger yeah, zoom, zoom in. in. <laughs> yeah. And not Kim holding Tommy's dead body. <laughs> that would have been a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Well, they released it like the day 25 came out at like 10 a.m. And I'm like, not everyone's been destroyed yet. <laughs> so hold on a sec. Yeah, I'm like, can, can we stop with these like reviews right now um, until people get it? But yeah, issue 27, we get a little tease into Draken's world. And Coinless Zack was captured. And we find out who the mole was in Drakens from Hyperforce, we find out who that red sentry is and it's Skull. I love it. Absolutely. And it, it makes sense in the context of the show too, because he's always been the character who's had like hidden sides to him and like he's actually smart and only is just putting on airs for bulk and yep. then he is rich in samurai. So I like that. I think it's totally in line with everything we've seen him before. Oh, absolutely. Now we get more talking scenes with the Rangers but they brought back Lauren back to the command center. They're kind of catching her up to speed of what's going on. They're kind of interrogating her. And then Jen says that they have a situation, and the situation is Draken is invading everything. And I, I was initially confused of this. Like, is that Lauren kind of like teleporting into the main chamber? Like with those lights around her? I was wondering that, Two, yeah, because I that struck me too. I don't really know. Like they kind of left her in that side room to to talk about the situation, and then she just kind of like beamed in, like, "Hey, don't don't leave me out of it," kind of a thing. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I I just thought those like lights coming off her kind of evoked a I'm beaming in feel. Right. So I I don't know. Either way, the coolest spread ever. <laughs> Zordon sends a call out through the morphing grid. And this feels like a very X-Men Charles Xavier type of feel. Yeah, totally. The head in the middle, it totally feels like something that the X-Men have done before. <laughs> <laughs> but it works. We see Dino Charge. We see Lightspeed Rescue uh, Carter getting shot in the back, which... Uh, I hope he's still alive, because <laughs> don't mess with Carter. Uh, we've got SPD. We've got freaking Jungle Fury, which was a great shot, and they totally replicated the set pieces again, like the Jungle Karma people. Yeah. And uh, In Space, and then Dino Thunder, and we don't make out who's being hit by the beam, but I almost want to assume that that's Dr. O. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Yeah, also Lost Galaxy. So it's crazy that they're that they're showing all these instances, and there's a couple that uh, kind of contradict uh, what happened in the annual, but I don't think it's a big deal because it's like, yeah. you know, it's a lot to keep track of. And sure. I think the annual was actually written before or 
this issue was written before the annual or something like i forgot what i heard in that interview but yeah it was just kind of like that may be a little continuity thing but in the grand scheme of things you get the point you could also assume that some of the snippets that we've seen are from like a second arrival that dragon had like he came back and fought ninja steel or whatever again after the annual too right and then I love this because there's there's kind of a lot of things going on really fast. Like they get a call from Dr. K. They get a call from the coinless. You know, they're getting these SOS signals and, and responses immediately from Zordon's call. And what I really love here is how much Jason takes charge. He says, all right, here's what we do. Billy Zach Trini, you go to the coinless Jen, you and Kimberly go out and round out any survivors of these attacks. And then Lauren and I are going to Corinth and we're going to contact Dr. K. And so I just love how instantly he takes charge and delegates the orders. Like, this is the game plan. This is how we're going to do it. And it really shows, like, that if, you know, he's a quarterback, like it really shows that leadership style of why he was chosen to be the Red Ranger. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then we got Draken here, and he's holding on to the Zeo crystal for Red. And he's really lamenting about what happened in that annual. And he says they hold on to their Tommy onto a pedestal. It's a reason I can't discern. There's nothing to love about him. It doesn't make <laughs> sense. And it's weird. It's like, dude, this is the most epic case of self-doubt that I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a comic in- representation of half the fans and those tweets you read earlier in the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> it's a really interesting commentary on like real life. Right. He's like, okay, I'll go to Corinth. I'll bring reinforcements to Corinth myself right after the next power transfer. So we're like, oh, crap, that means he's going to integrate the Zeo stuff. But then we get what I think is one of the best character interactions in this entire event so far. We get Lauren and Jason riding around in the T-Rex Zord. And I love how, I love how he calls the Zord and there's nothing there, and she turns around, and, and there's the... <laughs> like, it's just such a funny shot when there's nothing there, and he's making the pose. Yeah, it's so good. Like, it's just like, yeah, Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm glad that works. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but these three pages about them talking about their perspectives as a Red Ranger is fascinating. What do you guys think about this? I love it, too. There's so much that is done in those three pages. Like, the fact that they kind of justify, like, some of the crappier aspects of the end of Samurai with, like, Lauren's character. Yeah. And, like, make that a really now interesting kind of conflicted part of her character that she can deal with now. It's really cool. Yeah. It's really amazing how they did that. And I love their different perspectives as, as Red Rangers. Like, he's like, I'm blaming myself Jason's struggling with all that he's been dealing with, but she's like, look, I'm compartmentalizing this and saying, look, I can't think about my team right now. I got to think about the future and saving these people. 
And I just love that there's this little look that he gives her, and she's like, hey, I fight demons for a living, literally. And they kind of joke <laughs> about that. So I, I just, I love that whole interaction. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it was just really cool to see them together, like, in that Lecoq, but it was, like, not quite like a buddy cop movie, but just, like, it felt <laughs> like a scene, like, you know what I mean? Like, in a buddy cop yeah. movie where they had that scene where they kind of, like, break it down and bond a little bit, it kind of felt like that. Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. And where do they find another chair? For the, <laughs> <laughs> he called it. He's like second chair. And he put his hand up in the air and did the pose. He's like, man, I'm glad that worked because we would not have fit in here otherwise. Um, and, and then Billy, Zach, and and Trini uh, go to Draken's world to find the coinless, and they're contacted by the coinless, and it's in the old juice bar. And is it me or is that cat? and rocky oh because hmm. they're wearing red and pink gloves and they've got the blasters it could be because isn't aisha earlier on she she's also it, yeah. coinless i think yeah yeah so yeah could that's be. pretty cool actually i i would totally buy that because I, I see i mean cat she's a blonde rocky it doesn't really look a lot like the same kind of hair so yeah. i could totally buy that yeah and i mean she's got pink gloves he's got red ones right yeah but, I mean, her, her gun is like a modified power blaster. Yeah, that's true. So, r- really cool. I love that they call back to how Billy and future Trini connected. Because she gives him a hug and like, oh yeah, you're okay. And we get our Trini's line of, what's a ninja? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, they haven't met him. So, I just, I love those finding their place in like everyone figuring out what timeline everyone's from. (laughs) And then we get the freaking battle of Corinth going on here and the RPM Rangers. It's awesome. This is so great. The artwork of the action in this issue, especially they have some really, really cool ways to handle the lighting, especially when they're in the desert. That's just, it's really remarkable. The coloring in this is amazing. Like in the desert, things have kind of a a glow to them because the sun is so intense. Yeah. I love the implication that they're still using like their armbands that rev up (laughs) because he's like hitting the the blue samurai sentry and it's like, like, I love that. But then the big reveal of like, Oh, hey, there's the freaking Tyrannosaurus Zord. (laughs) (laughs) And that was so cool. And yeah, everyone kind of connects. There's no real time to talk because Draken is attacking. And the big reveal at the end. Oh, my God. This is like the most epic panel ever. It's true. We have Draken with his newly formed Zeo edition to his suit. And we've got a team of evil villains. We've got Korag from Mystic Force. We've got the blue and red Psycho Rangers and green, red, and yellow A-Squad. This is so cool. I love Korag being there. Yeah, I kind of wish nice with his, if this is like the Zeo suit, since didn't he, now I guess I'm not quite sure, he took the green powers from zeo for the centuries but he integrated tommy's zeo powers into himself yes i kind of would have liked it at least until his next powers if his visor was star-shaped i think that would have been a neat touch <laughs> oh yeah yeah 
I mean, I can understand why they didn't, but I just think that would have been neat. Because, I mean, you could have just, the next yeah. time he got new powers, it could have gone away. But just for, like, one issue, or just maybe just this panel, just to have it like, like that. Yeah. And and is it me? Because if you look at his undersuit, you see those lines, like, they come in through the armpit, go down, and then come back out through mid-thigh. Yeah. I think that's, isn't that the shape of the lines from the turbo suits? Uh, hmm. uh, it could be. It's similar. Now it feels like it's more of an amalgamation because yeah. the shield changed a little bit too. There's some of that Zeo circuitry in there. So it, it feels like there's more of a blending going on where we can pick out the different elements. But I can't wait to see this in action in the next issue. Yeah. And I like yeah. for his suit that they're, they're not going for just like the obvious elements to throw in. It's all pretty pretty subtle and like done in ways where like it all looks good stylistically together in yeah. one piece or even if like okay so you see on his shield the kind of diamond that's like at the very tip of his shield right the mm-hmm. kind of gold diamond even if like just that was star-shaped and then he could leave his visor alone <laughs> that would <laughs> just be cool something to accentuate the zeo just a little bit more but like i could see like his belt has those little squares and that kind of reminds me of like the in space on their chest yeah that's mm. true too yeah so there's all these like cool little elements that they're including, like the the armbands look definitely like Zeo Gold. Ah, it's very cool. I just quickly want to dive into GoGo Power Rangers issue ten, which just came out today. It's true. So if you're listening to this on Saturday, haven't picked the issue up, and you're not caught up, huge spoilers for this. I uh, will probably tell you about it for five minutes or so before we get into questions from ranger nation and and comments and stuff i thought this was a good issue we open with dragon's world and i love throughout this whole shattered grid event and it's just like how i like it in the same kind of storytelling i liked in dino charge where sometimes they would start out with the villains you know what i mean yes for the teaser and i like for what they're going on in shattered grid it's kind of the same principle where they're starting out in the Draken's world for each yeah. of these, not Go-Go and Shattered Grid. Here we're seeing, because it's Go-Go Power Rangers, we're seeing the past of, just like we're seeing the past of the Rangers and Go-Go Power Rangers, we're seeing the past and the build-up in Draken's world, and that's cool. I just like, he's like, why don't we have a sec four? Uh, Draken blew it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's little stuff like that, and bulk really bulked up in the apocalypse it really felt like he was like all right i can't be a lazy anymore yeah i need to be part of this resistance yeah he looks good (laughs) (laughs) but it's so cool like i like how in this kind of timeline he acknowledges he knows that they were power rangers like I was a big dumb bully. You were a spoiled valley girl, but you were a Power Ranger. And all the times that you saved the world and no one knew about it, thank you so much. And mm-hmm. he's like, when when I was in school, I would have been, I would have given every anything to be a Power Ranger, which makes sense because that ties in the show. They eventually, Bulk and Skull, their mission came to be, who are the Power Rangers? And then mm-hmm. in in space. Well, you know what? I'm a Power Ranger, and I'm defending them. And I love how they're interjecting that into this comic as well. Yeah, I think the Bulk and Kim stuff is probably my favorite part of this issue. Mm-hmm. 
And we see that flip because the next panel, it's them in their jerky, bully ways. They toss this balloon at Billy and his reflexes have already kicked in. And he <laughs> throws that water balloon right back in Bulk's face. And even Trini's like, whoa, what just <laughs> happened? <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, it really was. It's special it, to be able to catch the balloon like that and wing it back without it breaking in his hand. Oh, right? Like, how is that even possible? <laughs> no, it, it was, like, really well done. Yeah. And then we got Kim just, like, laying into Matt. <laughs> I'm supposed to be your girlfriend. What the hell's going on? You can't just disappear. And now Matt has turned into a complete conspiracy nut. <laughs> yeah, he's got this crazy board with the pins and the <laughs> yarn going from all over the place. And I'm like, dude, where'd you get all those pictures of the Power Rangers? <laughs> I think it's really well done, but Kim has to be like, oh, crap. <laughs> he's figuring things out. So we get some of those beats here. They're laying the groundwork for the story, but I think the most heartbreaking is th- these next two pages. Because Jason is practically begging Zordon with all this technology, with all this magic and all this stuff that you have, please just, we've saved the world. How many times can you just do something for my dad? And we get the same, Zordon is doing the same non-interference bull that the emissaries schooled him on in the main storyline. Yeah, it's so inter- it's such an interesting connection. And it's I mean, they were also pleading to him to try to bring Tommy back in in the uh the later timeline. Yep. And it was pretty much the same kind of deal like sorry, can't do it. Yeah, it's such a good way to tell the story in these different perspectives. And like I said, I I think Kyle and Ryan that how they're connecting and telling this story together and getting those beats moving forward. And even though this is a separate comic line, this all feels like one big connected thought out Mm -hmm. story. Absolutely. And I like that because I can feel like, yeah, they definitely have a plan on where they want to go with this. There's plot points that are coming back from way earlier issues that are connecting again. And it just shows that it's very smart writing. They have a plan of where they want to go with this story. And I'm fully on board with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been having a blast. I'm, you know, not going to second guess anything at this point. I know. <laughs> for the long haul. Yeah. Yeah. I, we're, we're just all for the ride. We still have Zach kind of hitting on Violet, who is from the prom. So I, I like that they're still caring for like these little interpersonal uh, stories as well and then we get the freaking grave zord which is just <laughs> holy cow this whole battle is just insanity yeah i love looking at it and just seeing all the different parts of the thunder zords like oh that's tor's head and oh there's part of the dragon zord and oh the one the claw arm looks like it's a piece of like the griffin zord like you can kind of see mm-hmm. like the the chest plate and the you know the black what becomes the leg of the megazord i just love looking at all the pieces and seeing it's where it all so comes cool. together <laughs> And then they're stuck in class, and apparently Mr. Kaplan implemented a Power Ranger protocol lockdown. 
And the only way that they get out of it is because Matt is so crazy right now in conspiracy mode that he's got to get out of school too and pulls the fire alarm. So that's their excuse to go out, uh, start morphing and, and fighting. And I've always been a sucker for individual Zord battles. And this does not disappoint. Mm-mm. No, it was really, really awesome. Yeah. They're trying to form the Megazords. You see the Pterodactyl Zord try to do the chest formation thing, and the Grave Zord knocks the Tyrannosaurus <laughs> right out of the Megazord formation. I thought that was so cool. It's very cool, yeah. And then, what I thought was interesting, because this takes place before Green with Evil the, in the TV show, this whole thing felt like Go-Go Power Rangers version of an evil ranger walking into the command center and destroying everything. Oh, yeah, you're so right. It's, like, exactly the same. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, she messes Alpha up. <laughs> the second, oh, that's, like, the second Alpha in, in these comics that gets, like, smashed in his head. <laughs> I feel so She's bad like for Alpha. His, <laughs> I know. She's beating him with his own arm. <laughs> So, again, Jason being smart, he kind of figures out that this is all just a distraction. Because they could be destroyed at any point. So he sends Kimberly in the Pterodactyl Zord to just go save Zordon while they take care of this. And then Matt decides to jump the police line, climb up a building, and start flagging the Zords down. But that sucks because... Here's all this rubble and debris that's going to fall on him. And and Zach notices. So uh, we've got that set up. That's kind of like the first uh, to be continued. And then just as evil Kim or the Ranger Slayer is about to totally destroy Alpha, we get this epic to be continued shot where we're going to get Kimberly versus Kimberly. And I can't wait. That splash page at the end is really awesome. She's like in the air, like firing down. I loved it. <laughs> it's so good. But it is true to just to dial back one second with the, sure. you know, not letting them form the Megazord. That's always something that you think about where it's like, <laughs> it does take some time. And usually the monsters patiently yep. wait till you're done. <laughs> that was another thing that reminded me of Digimon, actually. It's back in the adventure movie. They had uh, Inframon, like, kept stopping Greymon and Kabuterimon from actually, they were, like, in the middle of Digivolving. And they even have, like, the stock sequence starting to happen. And then he just, like, shoots both of them. And, like, they stop <laughs> in the middle of it. <laughs> It also makes me think of like Austin Powers when he's like, I have a gun in my room. Let's <laughs> yeah. go. He's like, no, I'm going to place him in an easily escapable situation and assume it all goes to plan. What? <laughs> exactly. So this is like one of the most engaging comic book events that I've ever read. It, for me too. Cause my thing is like, I don't really like like the crisis crossover stuff normally. And I think the reason being is that it's usually just too big. And with this, it's been so good about keeping very focused on the characters the entire time like there's clear arcs happening and and it also just doesn't seem like they're just picking out random characters in the team up with everybody they've encountered and every team that's kind of played a role in this has had like a, a, a pretty genuine narrative reason for being there or a thematic reason or it makes sense why like jen and lauren would be the first characters they meet up with because they actually can relate to the current team on their level, like in, in, in different ways. It's just been really, really well put together. And 
I have very high expectations for the whole rest of the storyline. Yeah, I, one, absolutely love what they're doing in the MMPR series, the GoGo PR series, literally everything. But I will say this is a little off topic, but if Hasbro is listening, I need Sentry six-inch <laughs> figures in the you know Marvel Legends style. So give me Ranger Slayer, and then you pick four other Sentries with a Gravesword Build-A-Figure, and you can have all my money. Oh my god, a Gravesword Build-A-Figure. Holy crap. It's so cool. I mean, it just makes sense. It's already pieced together from other swords. <laughs> it's the perfect Build-A-Figure. <laughs> it's the perfect play item. Exactly. We're already way into Shattered Grid at this point. I wouldn't stop for any reason. This comic is great. Oh, no reason to stop. Yeah. If you're not reading this, please reconsider. It's not all Tommy. Yeah, Draken is Tommy, but Tommy, Tommy? I mean, he's gone. We we have eight issues here where he's not even in the comic. So, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Plus, he's not at all in Go-Go, so you can love that right. series. <laughs> right. Exactly, exactly. So, there's no reason to not get this. And just from what we've seen, the annual alone telling all these different stories, that's like, why would you ignore that that's the, it's amazing it has nothing to do with mighty morphin it's all it's all the different teams from their perspective so definitely pick it up we've got some questions from ranger nation uh you can ask us a question at ask.fm slash ranger command ph you can always just contact us on through our social media channels or contact us on the website rangercommand.com uh charlie shields asks do you think the extremely negative backlash towards Legacy Wars, including Street Fighter, is a foreshadowing of what may happen if Hasbro goes through with that cinematic universe thingy. Or am I reaching harder than Mr. Fantastic trying to find the remote under the couch? <laughs> Love the Mr. Fantastic reference. I, I, I did too. What do you think of this? I honestly think the whole reason the backlash with the Street Fighter is not so much because people hate Street Fighter. It's because there were so many things they wanted in Legacy Wars, and this just seems so completely out of left field. I mean, you don't even have at least one Ranger from every team in Legacy Wars yet. There are still a lot of fan-favorite characters out there that are not in Legacy Wars yet, whether they're heroes, villains, side, you know, secondary heroes, whatever. I think the whole reason everyone was upset about Street Fighter is not because, oh my god, I can't have Power Rangers cross over with anything. It was just, this seems so out of left field. And it's so random, and it it was not hinted at at all. It didn't really even make sense, because they're two franchises that don't really have anything to do with each other. I mean, it would be one thing if it was like Ninja Turtles, because at least we've seen that before. Or... Common Rider or something that has some kind of link to Power Rangers in some way. Street Fighter is just so random. Like, yes, it's a, f- a fighting game, but like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, what do you guys think? Do you, am I crazy here? Or? Nah, I agree. I think it was the fact that like no one at- was asking for that at all. And I think the very, very negative backlash really was also because of the hype for it, because they were teasing a thing that got everyone really excited for a Power Rangers-related thing, and then they revealed this. I think if this was just, like, if it was just kind of secretly slid out there and people didn't have any expectations for any announcement, I feel like there would still be some backlash, but it, it wouldn't have been, like, as aggressive <laughs> as it is. But then also, if you're trying to compare it to, like, Hasbro Cinematic Universe, 
literally the first thing that happened when the Hasbro acquisition happened was everyone talking about a Power Rangers Transformers team up. So I feel like people will be expecting that. That's true. People may or may not like it, but I think the expectation is there. So yeah, if they were going to pop Optimus Prime and Megatron Megazord events, I think there would not be nearly any kind of backlash. I think people would be excited for something like that. Yeah. Power Rangers has never had like a Capcom tie-in. So, yeah, it totally fell out of left field and kind of off-brand. I mean, I know they're both fighting franchises, but at the same time, it's like, come on, there's way more characters you could be focusing on for Legacy Wars. Yeah, it really kind of reminds me of like this 25 for 25 where you get all excited for something and then they like announce something you already have. Or in this case, they announced this as one of the 25 for 25. I'm like, this is (laughs) something no one wanted. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I really feel like, and I I think I said this on Twitter, where it's like Bandai slash Saban Brands was like, well, don't worry, we'll come up with 25 things by the end of the year. And now that they're both on their way out, they're just like, just point to the next 25 things that come down the pike so we can get out of here. (laughs) Pretty much. This changeover happens in less than a month. Where are the 25 or 25 things going to come from Hasbro? Is it just kind of they're piecing out? I think they're just going to fizzle it. I think you're on the clock. I think you have about 24 days. Is June 25th. They're just going to say, all right, blow our load. Here's the whole thing. Here's the other 15, 25 for 25. Here's 15 things that actually won't happen now because we're not making any more new stuff. <laughs> But man, look at some of this. It was going to be neat, huh? <laughs> but no, I think the negative backlash towards Street Fighter is a completely different situation than if Hasbro were to say, hey, this is our cinematic universe and Power Rangers are a part of it. Because that feels on brand. Hasbro, of course, they're going to integrate, like, I mean, Transformers and Power Rangers, that kind of crossover makes sense in a way. Whereas Street Fighter, it's like, feels like a cash grab in a way because it's like yeah. only premium characters and it's a limited time event so it's like okay and that's the thing it's like i see it from one perspective because not only is it power rangers 25th anniversary but it's street fighters 30th so i can kind of see a tie in there but at nowhere in the past have street fighter and power rangers been connected like this the fandom crossover, I, I just don't think is really there either. Right. right. Aside from Legacy Wars, I don't play many fighting games because I am terrible at them. And I've, <laughs> I've actively avoided Street Fighter over the years because I am not like a button combo guy. I do not have the coordination or the talent to remember all of those combos across different platforms. I mean, in those types of games, I, I am a number one bun mashing noob when it comes to those (laughs) hey i'm terrible at legacy wars (laughs) so don't feel bad all right uh moving on common ranger bat said do you guys think that hasbro can make a power ranger show that's original and unique but aimed at a younger audience while making the mainline sentai adaption for the original intended demographic while also making movies for an older demographic. You know, basically what they did for Transformers. Rescue bots for the young kids, robots in disguise for older kids, and the movies for everyone. I could easily see them doing this. Yeah, I think 
They one will definitely do movies. I think obviously the Beast Morphers will be that middle slot that he's talking about. When it comes to like a rescue bot type show, absolutely. But again, when you get into animation with designs they don't own, like Toei designs, right. that's where you run into a problem. But if they wanted to come up with their own, like if they wanted to make a Hyperforce show, just I keep using Hyperforce just because it's a set of suits that already exist right. that did not come from Toei. So something like that. They could absolutely do that. I think what they could do, maybe not necessarily have a cartoon presence, but they could definitely make play school toys for Power Rangers. Whether oh, it's wow. you know similar to what the Imagine X line has already done. Right. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys know me or not. I'm going through an Imagine X kind of renaissance for myself. <laughs> <laughs> and Imagine X and play school toys, I've been buying up all kinds of cool stuff that I can find that I'm loving it. And if they decided to do like, Play School did a version of, you know, the Zords and the MMPR stuff while at the same time doing Beast Morphers. I don't know if I'd buy necessarily the MMPR stuff because I do already have the Imagine X, but I would in a heartbeat jump on Play School versions of the Beast Morphers suits and Zords and everything. Mm. That I mean, could you imagine Play School versions of the Buddy Roids? I mean, they'd be adorable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Plus, they could do them in different sizes. Like, they have kind of like the robot heroes where they have like little figures of the robots that don't transform, but then also have like the little bit larger transforming ones. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's lots of size classes there. They could definitely accommodate, you know, all kinds of kids with that kind of stuff. I just want it to be inclusive. I think Hasbro does a good job of that. Hopefully Hasbro treats girl rangers a little better than bandai America Mm. ever did. I think they will. At this point, Windblade and RC are like in every series. So that's two female Transformers that seem to pop up. I mean, the Robots in Disguise we just had had Strongarm, which was a female character, and then Windblade came in later. The series before that had RC was a female motorcycle. And female Transformers is not a super common thing over the history of Transformers, but recently they've really been putting not a focus on it, but being very inclusive with that. So I don't see any reason why they would alienate female Power Rangers. And it's really just you have to know... Like, yes, I understand Bandai did it because they weren't selling, but you have to know how to market it. I mean, right. if you don't think they're going to sell that many, then don't distribute them as evenly as the boys. Like, I understand short packing them. <laughs> you just have, you know what I mean? Like, don't flood the market with them and then go, oh, well, they don't sell. It's like, guys, come on. There's ways to do this. Yeah, especially like how they mishandled the l- legacy figures. Yeah, exactly. So we will move on to our Ranger Nation answer segment where we asked what has been your favorite moment so far in power rangers shattered grid on facebook charlie shield said can i just say all of it no okay fine then it would be tommy's death (laughs) israel leon tommy's death (laughs) i'm sensing a theme (laughs) Uh, charlie niemeyer says the cameos from other ranger teams nice to see some variety after so much mmpr Cliva McVicker said, I really like seeing how Ninjor makes and repairs the morphers. It seemed more of a mystical process than a mechanical one. And seeing that Lord Draken calls out Black Dragon when he morphs is interesting. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think that is cool, a point about the mystical process, because obviously there's some kind of otherworldly, non-science part to the Ranger's powers. The morphing grid, they're connecting right, the force. Right, exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Noah Bowden says, Draken defeating the Samurai Rangers, even though I wish it was Megaforce. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Might be alone in that, but okay. A little bit of shade from <laughs> Andre Drew says all of it. On Instagram, Thomas Aaron Meehan96 said, Honestly, I haven't been reading Shattered Grid. I don't have patience to read comic books or graphic novels. I'm more into TV shows, movies, audiobooks, podcasts, audio dramas. Dude, I, <laughs> the, Thomas. Thomas. <laughs> Please. Well, just hold out for the all audiobook read by J.M. himself. Thomas, all I have to say is if you can, and this is no monetary investment from you, if you can find a library that has the volume works of the series. Please give it a shot. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I, I know the comic books aren't for everyone, but I think they're really killing it with the story. Absolutely. Common Ranger says, my favorite moment is when the Street Fighters showed up for no reason and kicked everyone's... <laughs> Assume because they are OP. Oh, wait, that's Legacy Wars. Seriously, though. To date, my favorite part of Shattered Grid was the rap battle between Eddie and Pumpkin Rapper. The whole series has been great, but that moment really made my year. Fair enough. And yeah, I mean, he is talking about Hyperforce, but they did do two episodes in the Shattered Grid. So that is a moment in Shattered Grid. And they have confirmed that is part of that does integrate, right? I'm pretty sure they did. Oh, oh, yeah, it does. Like yeah. how they explain like between issues 26 and 27, and and all of that. Yeah, it's that's true. I mean, and we get the identity of the Red Century, and that was through Hyperforce. Yeah, it all connects. Orange Ranger SPD seven says Tommy killed two times. More to come. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Toby Chris said annual where they explain how Jason got his morpher for Forever Red. Nice. Battlestar Galactica, the death of Tommy. <laughs> Though it's tough to see, I love that they did it. It let us know we aren't pulling any punches here and the stakes are high and valid. People hate Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. On Twitter, uh, Hassan Ahmed at Hassan Ahmed 120. Who's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> it says, uh, probably the answer you'll hear the most, but Tommy getting killed by Red Dragon. <laughs> it's oh, just, awesome. It just cemented that nothing is off the table for this event, and it was so unexpected. And it's at the stage for everything else to come, which has been fantastic. Absolutely agree. Uh, Magnemite Herder at Deadpool underscore Rangers said, For me, it's getting to enjoy comic books with others. As an avid collector, I don't get to talk the latest comics with some, but I can when it's the Power Ranger comics. So that's definitely my favorite moment, since it seems like everyone is reading the Shattered Grid comic. Very cool. Yeah, I definitely feel like it's brought in people who were comic book collect, not necessarily Power Ranger collectors right. or Power Ranger comic fans, but just like regular comic fans are like, oh, everyone's talking about this. I guess I should look into it. Yeah. Shattered Sean at Snarky Sean says, besides finding my in with reading comics, getting to see the SPD and RPM teams in a different light. Dragons need to find out why everyone loves Tommy and just how much lore we're getting through these stories. I, I like how it could just be like Shattered Grid. Everyone loves Tommy, the, the sitcom. <laughs> uh, Billy, uh, 
Billy Sewell at GoCats 2, Zio Tommy's death because it shot down my headcanon for a potential resolution. Headcanon rejected. Also, TJ's sacrifice during the in-space story in the annual. Also, also, the Ranger Slayer's Zord. Love the thunder slash dive. Absolutely. Yeah. Adam at Little Adam 87 said, for me, it's got to be the double page splash of Zordon calling out to all the other PR teams across the morphing grid. Really sells the sheer scale of this event. Edward Sanchez at Edward is the man. My favorite moment from Shattered Grid so far is Tommy's death. <laughs> I was shocked, but not surprised because Lord Draken will not let anyone get in the way of getting what he wants. Hashtag Power Rangers. <laughs> uh, Ultraman Arby's at Pocky Squirrel says, Two Red Rangers discussing their emotional problems in the cockpit of a Zord. Runner up, Dr. K straight vaporizing the Draken bot, then trying to eat a cry. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Justin Brentlinger at Justin Brent 92 said, personally, I really enjoyed when Draken interacted with Jason and the Zeo team in order to gain insight on what people see in Tommy or himself. Mm-hmm. Tommy Brever Jr. at Kid Flash TBN said, dead of Tommy. <laughs> Why are you getting all the death of Tommy? <laughs> I know, right? I'm like little like tally marks. Ding, ding. Um, Solomon D at Solomon D said, how can I pick just one? I did truly love seeing Jen arriving and shooting Draken with her V5 blaster. Also, Draken exploiting Ninjor's powers. Oh, yeah. Uh, Zachary Shiloh at ZachShy130 said, my top Shattered Grid moments are what was Zeo 5 Tommy talking with no more Zeo Gold Jason? Billy talking the Shattered Grid with Jen. The demorphed SP Rangers beating Draken. Mainly morphed RPM team winning versus Draken. Zordon talking to the Emissaries. Ranger Slayer rival Jason talking to Lauren. Korag SPDA squad and Psycho Rangers standing behind Draken. Finding out with Draken. University does debt. The Professor Xavier moment of Zordon calling out the Ranger Unity, seeing the coinless again, seeing the in-space team. The two non-RPM Reds helping that group, being excited for every issue in awe of every issue's end, still in awe, and it's over halfway done. So that's a very long way of saying all of it. I think he's listening to all the good parts, yes. I also like how he also mentions the Professor Xavier moment, so we're not alone in that. At least we're on the same page. Daniel Diaz at Daniel Robert D2 said, when Lord Dragon kills Tommy. (laughs) 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 Oh my god. Um, Angelo Colby at Super Ranger. Kind of a cop-out answer, but really everything. LOL, it's just great to have something collective positive in the fandom to talk about and be proud of. I guess if I had to pick something specific, that's not Tommy's death, LOL. (laughs) The Emma... The Emissaries slash Morphin Masters story are uniquely cool. At Excelhead said, most definitely Dr. K getting the best Best (laughs) (laughs) Let me start again. It's late. (laughs) Excelhead said, most definitely Dr. K getting the best shot in on Draken by far. Side note, kind of surprised Turbo Tommy and Dino Thunder Dr. O haven't been murdered yet. <laughs> that we know of. Right. <laughs> Hashtag Dr. K gets the best <laughs> Dr. K getting the best <laughs> She always gets the best She makes uh, the best at- <laughs> <laughs> at Sentai 5, T- 
Tommy's death. <laughs> no way! I did not plan this. <laughs> I'm actually really enjoying this now. Tommy's death, both MMPR and Zio. It reinforces the tagline: "No ranger is safe." Also, Zordon talking to the series. They looked great. Also, who could forget scenes like these? Characters from different seasons interacting and being involved in the story. And then he included two pictures here. That really excellent picture of Jason in the front with the dragon shield kind oh. of forming like a line across. And then the other six rangers behind him with Lauren and Jen kind of forming a flank, which looks really awesome. Oh, God. So and good. then that, that end page that we talked about with Korag and the A-Squad and the Psycho Rangers and everything. Dude, issue 28 is going to be freaking lit. Like, yeah. two weeks oh, I, I can't that's two long agonizing weeks <laughs> <laughs> and the last one at twitching fool zero replying to sentai five that we just read this would have been an amazing megaforce season for the anniversary well eh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, megaforce is his own thing i mean this is this is cool this is cool wow well we got through it all <laughs> and this is a long podcast episode. Chock full of goodness. You've got a lot of editing ahead of you. <laughs> um, I, I may just edit some parts here and there. I, I think we did a good job uh, talking through it. Yeah. So I want to thank you guys so much for guest co-hosting for this episode. Derek, where can people find you on the internet? On the internet, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale, D-E-R-E-K-B-G-A-Y-L-E. You can find my coloring book, Monsters Adulting, on Amazon. You can just search Monsters Adulting and buy it on there, or you can find it on my Twitter page. Awesome. Chris, where can people find you on the internet? You can find all my YouTube toy reviews at youtube.com slash longstoys, at longstoys on Facebook and Instagram, and my Twitter is uh, at clong83. Do you have a podcast you want to plug? <laughs> I might, if you'll let me. Uh, <laughs> Shuki was supposed to join us tonight. He unfortunately had to bow out at the last minute. But hello, Brian. Shout out to you if you're listening. Uh, my partner in crime, Shuki, and I have a podcast, Geek Each Week, which you can find on Twitter and Facebook at Geek Each Week. Awesome. And really enjoy the, the content that you guys do. So uh, keep it oh, up. Thank you. Thank you so much. And again, thank you so much for having me. This was such a blast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was super fun. Yeah, I, I love talking comics, and, and this series is incredible. And then we'll have to get together when this whole thing is over and be like, oh, what the hell happened? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe they brought Tommy back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Ranger Nation, let us know what you think. If you have questions, you can email us at rangercommandpowerhour at gmail.com or check us out at rangercommand.com. We're on Twitter at rangercommandph, Instagram and Facebook at rangercommandpowerhour, all one word. Hit us up at rangercommand.com. Big thanks again to Derek and Chris. Thank you guys for joining me on this awesome episode. And enjoy, and until next time, we'll catch you guys later. See ya. See ya. Tommy's dead. <laughs> <laughs> It's the best part. Tommy's dead. <laughs> You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour, only on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphing Grid at www.rangercommand.com. Follow us on Twitter at rangercommandph and like us on facebook.com slash rangercommandpowerhour.
This is Trucky B47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour, and you are listening to the Four Eyed Radio Network. Ranger Command is now on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks. By pledging, you are helping us make our show even better. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more. Thanks 